Did you say what kind of animal was that attacked her? So yeah, there's any type of animal attack. Statistically, there's been more animal attacks, mysterious deaths, people gone missing. In other news, local authorities remain perplexed by the animal attacks. What attacked her in the woods? An animal. What else could it have been? Welcome back to It Was an Animal Attack, home of the supernatural drama series. I'm Fadzai. And I'm Sandile. And today we'll be discussing Vampire Diaries character Annabelle Tube better known as Anna. Um, I'm going to be doing some due diligence every episode in case we make any errors from the prior one. So just some notes and corrections from the Vicky episode. I think I may have referred to the event where Kelly Donovan was giving a drunk speech in season eight as being held by the Lockwoods. And that is not possible because at that point, all the Lockwoods are dead. Well, all the main Lockwoods. Maybe it was one of the cousins. No ancillary Lockwoods to be found in sight, so it could not have been a Lockwood event. It was, in fact, Stefan and Caroline's wedding. Ah. So that's where she gives a drunk speech. As a tangential, when I was Googling Kelly Donovan's name, it reminded me that Kelly Donovan is the name of Nicholas Brendan's twin brother. Nicholas Brendan, who plays Xander on Buffy the Vampire. Oh, yes. They use their second names as professional names, right? Yes. And I only know he has a twin brother because there's an episode in Buffy where Xander gets, like, cloned or gets an aspect of him, like, stolen. I can't remember what the exact plot was, but there's a second Xander running around. It's, it's, it's that he's split into two. Yes, he flips a coin that splits him into his best and worst traits. What best traits? I don't know. I think what? the implication was potentially good traits. That Xander was played by his twin. Because there was a shot at the end of that episode where it was they were gelling too well as individual characters interacting. And I was like, the CG was not good enough in 1999. <laughs> for this to look this good and i looked it up and they are indeed twins apparently when the when the episode was conceived of they didn't even know that nicholas had a twin that just turned out to be a helpful coincidence and so when they they filmed it in a way in which all the whenever the two zanders were on screen together whichever one was doing the most acting was played by nicholas while his while his brother got the, the easier half of the job <laughs> that's fine <laughs> But yeah, I just uh, a funny thing that happened when I was Googling uh, Kelly Donovan. I think there was one other correction. Oh, uh, Caroline, in the episode where Vicky's body is discovered, Caroline is stuck for like hours in the mud. And then she gets out to try and get signal to make a call with her phone. I thought that, because initially I thought she'd roll down a bank. And then I was like, that wouldn't make sense with the way I was reading it, so I thought she just like slipped and fell in place and then grabbed to steady herself. She does, in fact, slip and roll down a bank and like <laughs> flat on the ground and then try to push herself up. And it's very clearly a human arm in the ground there, so I don't know how she could have thought it was a tree. It was dark. <laughs> it's she like... didn't have vampire eyes yet. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> It's just a full human hand, and then she screams, and it's really traumatizing, actually. But yeah, those are the uh, corrections from some of the stuff I said last week. Sandile, what comes to mind when you think of Anna? Anna, I think what I discovered looking back on her is that she is a lot more main adversarial than I thought she was in my memory. Mm. I think in that second arc of the first season she's really kind of running the show 
all the events kind of move at her whim and she's like on a mission she's got a plan and she's executing it really endeared me to her in a way that i don't think i did before but like we've discussed many a time season one and two kind of a blind spot for me i had to go back and watch it i've only ever seen them once but yeah no she's a cool character a lot of great scenes with her ironically <laughs> of of jeremy's two season one love interests she's actually around the longest and yet she's not the one who was billed as a main character is she not billed for that latter half as a main character mm, i guess nope. she'd be like recurring it's always recurring Melise Zhao, the actress who plays her. She goes by Melise now, spelt differently from how her name is spelt. It's M-E-L-I-S-E. Really? Has she changed it? I assume for a singing career? I don't know. It might just be a stage name. Okay, okay. Did you know of her before Vampire Diaries? Yes, I had seen her in Nickelodeon's Unfabulous, that yes. um, Emma Roberts show that I've seen like three episodes of. She was cool <laughs> in that. She played Gina Fabiano. Oh, I don't remember anyone's names from that. <laughs> I just remember she was in it. And I remember... No, see, this is the thing. I confuse her a lot with this other actress who's in Pretty Little Liars. I think she plays Mona. That I haven't watched. <laughs> She's also in the Bratz movie, I think. I th yes, she is. She is. She's part of the Mean Girl clique. Oh, wait. Is that Melise Jawa or is that this other actress? No, that's Melise. Oh, cool. Then I've seen her in the Bratz movie as well. <laughs> <laughs> Post Vampire Diaries, she was uh, she returned to the CW uh, as a recurring character in The Flash. She played Linda Park, a brief love interest of Barry oh, Allen. Oh yes, I did like her. Yeah, and then later on, she played the Arrowverse's version of Doctor Light, the the second Doctor Light, the heroic one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was cool too. She's done some good stuff. But yeah, Annabelle. She first appears in the season one episode Bloodlines. Although she does mention later on to Damon that she's been in town since before then. She mentions, well, in her own words, she says, I arrived at about... Half past Comet. Half past Comet, yes. Yeah. Which means, <laughs> which that, means either she got there on the night of the Comet, which is the, season, which is the second episode of season one, or she got there like just afterwards. But clearly she's been lurking in the background. But in, in Bloodlines, we first meet her when Jeremy Gilbert is in the library doing some research, trying to get his grades up. I, I think at that point, Alaric is probably using Jeremy to gather info. I am glad you said it because I couldn't figure out what his whole deal was. Like, I know that you, you could just be like, yeah, history teacher trying to help this troubled kid, like, get back on track. But he does seem very involved, Alaric. But I didn't know if it was, like, from the jump or at the point where Jeremy kind of declares, I'm doing my paper on vampires. And then that's when maybe Rick jumped in. It might have been that, actually, now that you mention it. So yeah, Jeremy is in the library doing some research, trying to do a history report on local history. Because, of course, you know, Mystic Falls, they think that <laughs> their town history is the most fascinating thing in the world. This small town in, like, rural southern... Uh, US. I mean, it's pretty interesting history, I guess, with all, all the vampires, but, you know, he didn't know that. He has a, a little meet-cute with a cute new teenage girl who introduces herself as Anna. She accid accidentally, quote-unquote, <laughs> knocks a book onto his right. head from the other side of the shelf. And then when she comes around to pick up the book, she bumps foreheads with him. And <laughs> in the moment, it's like, what is this cliche teen nonsense? Watching it back, <laughs> and we've spoken briefly about this, it's just kind of obviously sus. 
<laughs> when she just kind of shows up, she bumbles into the scene. She's really like just very intense from the get go, and it's like, wow, Anna, what are you? What's going on here? What are you up to? This is too cliche to be true like what's going on here at least that was my read of it i mean it was a cw show geared towards teens and young adults so i i could have believed that that was a genuine meet it's only you know knowing what i know i was like hmm well played (laughs) (laughs) but yeah she and jeremy uh discuss what he's doing in the library he says that he is researching local legends and how there were stories about vampires in the town in the 1860s and Anna talks about them pretty openly as a believer. Uh, she makes it clear that she takes it seriously. And then Jeremy is like, no, no, no. The vampires are just a metaphor for, you know, the demons of the day, which he <laughs> he describes the Union soldiers as. Yep. Because yep. this was in the midst of the Civil War. <laughs> and the enemy soldiers, those Union soldiers, damn vampires, those demons, trying those... to stop slavery. <laughs> awful guys (laughs) so yeah anna is unable to convince him that these things are real but a little while later under the guise of her just being really argumentative and wanting to prove she was right she shows up with some research that she's compiled saying hey this is mystic falls history showing that there's been a lot of frequent quote-unquote animal attacks um in and around this area stretching back decades room shot in the background roll credits <laughs> she shows up with like a proper binder i do like the line she says in that one where it's like with the first interaction i feel like it's phoned in when he asks why have you done all this work and she's like i like to prove i'm right i don't know if he asks or she like preempts it and comes in with the full binder and says because i'm someone who likes to be right i've done the research to prove you wrong that feels like a um something that could be genuine as this like young homeschooled kid who has like a hyper fixation on a topic and is arguing it with this complete stranger that felt more believable to me than their like first interaction so kudos to anna for the bycroft i guess so she she actually hasn't her research she has not gone all the way back to 1864 maybe she felt that would be a little too on the nose i think she only stretches back to i think it's the 1970s or was it was it was it the 1940s I've actually forgotten, but it's it's still in the 20th century where she 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 compiles all this info saying that there have been so many mysterious deaths and bodies that have been drained of blood. She mentions that five people have died in Mystic Falls that year alone, which um can't be true because <laughs> nobody knows Vicky's dead at that point. Oh no, so so right at the beginning when Damon shows up, a bunch of people go missing. So she could be referencing that. I know in the very first episode, one of the opening scenes are those two people in the car who get attacked and the dude gets snatched and then the woman tries to run away and she's fully lifted off the ground and i think a couple more disappearances happen like that so she might be referencing those people no i was just saying that it's definitely higher than five (laughs) because we know that she's at least oh i got you oh (laughs) i thought you were saying who are these five people no you're saying who who are these five extras we don't care (laughs) (laughs) we didn't see their names in the credits So yeah, uh, later on in the episode Unpleasantville, 
Anna, who at this point is is she's she's really coming on strong, just like showing up and talking to Jeremy like they've got an established friendship. She speaks to him in the Mystic Grill and he thanks her for her help regarding his paper because he actually got a good grade. I think at that point he has spoken to Alaric about what he's doing with regard to the vampire research, and now Alaric is like using him to get access to the Gilbert Journal, a Jonathan Gilbert's journal because he's trying to find out what was going on with his wife, Isabel, who he knows was involved in vampire nonsense. And in the scene where Anna keeps, she keeps talking about vampires and like pushing the subject, Jeremy is kind of like trying to brush her off. Like I think at that point he's like, girl, are we still on this? You're coming out real strong. I think we have a different idea of what this friendship is. Yeah, he like brushes her off and says like he's going to a school dance. I, I think he interprets what she's doing as flirting and he's like, I'm not looking for a relationship. Like I just got out of something and like like he, he lets her down. So I mean, at least he's not acting like completely clueless. He's like, this girl clearly has an interest in me Yeah, um, that he mistakes as genuine romantic interest. However, Anna is <laughs> not so easily swayed. She follows him to the school dance later that night. As one does. <laughs> she shows up at the school dance and it's a decade dance. So everyone's dressed in 1950s fashion. And she uh, she like jokingly jibes at him that he he neglected to invite her to the dance as well as neglecting to tell her that it was a themed dance. And Jeremy once again calls her out <laughs> on her her buzzing around and is like, you're doing that thing again, that thing where you pretend like we're dating even though we're not. And then she's like, oh, you mean stalking? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. It really is like, when you think about the fact that she is so much older than him in actuality, this like tete-a-tete that they're having is in such strange context. It is strange, but it's it's, it's so funny to to look at that scene from Jeremy's point of view where this is just a teenage girl talking to a guy and she seems like kind of quirky and like awkward, but clearly confident that she just goes up to this boy and she's expressing like very obvious interest. And I'm like, in any other show without all the supernatural stuff, you might think, hey, Maybe, maybe this is just a really prolonged week cute. <laughs> but no, she's she's plotting. Once again, she brings up his history report. And he mentions that he used his ancestor, Jonathan Gilbert's journal, for some material. And she then, she drops the subtlety a bit in that scene. It becomes a bit too obvious that she's really interested in this journal. Because she asks him about the journal. And she's like, oh, could I take a look at it? She's impatient. Jeremy does clock it. He looks a bit weirded out. But instead of calling out on that, he's just... He just tells her the truth that he doesn't have it and that he's given it to Alaric. At which point she gets slightly annoyed and she's like, why would you do that? You can't just give it to anyone. (laughs) You shouldn't be letting anyone just read that. And Jeremy's like, but I should give it to you. (laughs) Girl who I met yesterday. (laughs) You can can see that um, whatever it is she's planning, she's clearly getting impatient. But elsewhere in the episode, Elena is being stalked by a vampire that she was not able to identify and that Stefan and... Damon haven't seen yet. But the vampire does show up at the school dance where all the main characters are in attendance. And we see him watching Elena from afar. To our surprise, Anna goes up and talks to him. I I think this is after speaking with Jeremy. She briefly gets the vampire eyes. Yes. She confronts him about the book and she starts getting like frustrated. She briefly gets the vampire face and turns away. And I think Jeremy might do the your eyes, what happened to your eyes thing. Yeah, he does. He does notice. And for the audience, that's the first time that we realize that, oh, damn, this girl is a vampire. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. which then immediately gives context to everything she's been doing, discussing vampires with Jeremy, looking for the Gilbert Journal, which everybody is so obsessed with at this point <laughs> in the series. But after that conversation, we see her go up to this uh, vampire who's been stalking Elena, and she speaks to him. His name is Noah. Played by Dylan Casey. I did not know the actor's name, but... (laughs) I know him from a show called Nikita, where he was a a core character in the middle season. Yes, he was one of my favorite characters. You have. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so sorry, Dylan, um, if you ever hear No, this. no, no, please. That's, <laughs> I, yeah, Dylan Casey. I just know his name off the top of my head. Also, Noah is the first of, honestly, a string of what I've been calling pseudo-himbos um, <laughs> in Anna's like existence on the show. So for the listeners real quick, we're going to explain something that Fazai and I have discussed this entire weekend, is that there is a Venn diagram of himbo himbo being right at the center and the three qualities of himbo being like the outer overlapping rings so the criterion for himbo are big that meaning beefy or muscular it's stupid (laughs) (laughs) and stupid not to say like academically because what does that matter but it means you're just kind of a ditz, kind of a just a little silly sometimes. Just not a, not very high wisdom. And the third one is kind because it's very key in the himbo trifecta that the man is kind, nice, empathetic, respectful, etc. So big, stupid, kind. Noah, at first I thought just fell under big and stupid. But he's not particularly stupid. He does have some calculating, like, tendencies in his sort of terrorizing of Elena. So I think he's just big, which makes him muscle. So that's, like, our characterization of this guy. And then we'll get to the others as we go on, because they keep popping up. <laughs> they do. Um, but Anna, Anna speaks to him, revealing that they know each other. I don't think it's mentioned in that scene, but he is a vampire from 1864 who knew Anna back when she was living in the town with her mother during the days when Stefan and Damon were still human. And it's interesting to me that usually Anna is mentioned as being, oh, the only vampire who escaped being entombed in the sense that she wasn't caught, whereas Catherine escaped later on. But Noah must have also managed to escape capture if he knew all of these 1864 characters back then, because he knows the Salvatores. He mentions that he knows Catherine. That's why he's been following Elena around, which Anna chastises him for. He says she looks like Catherine, which isn't really a reason, but <laughs> apparently it's, it's that's why he's obsessed with her. <laughs> I mean, here's an interesting theory. We do know that Catherine turned a lot of the vampires who were running around Mystic Falls at that time. Yes. And seasons later, when we learn about Sirebonds, Damon says that while it is a rare occurrence with ordinary vampires, sometimes you can become sired to someone who you had genuine feelings for. Mm. So maybe, maybe Noah was sired to Catherine, which no one knew or cared about at the time, but that's why he was so obsessed with Elena, seeing that she looked like Catherine. Maybe he had a little sire bond going on there. I mean, that's not something the writers would have been thinking at the time, but you can you can headcanon it that way. I, I sure it would just I don't know how well that gels with. So we see the the fervence with which Damon desires to free Catherine from the tomb at the time when he still believes her to be in there. Yes. Damon, who isn't side to Catherine and is just deeply in love with her. You would think that Noah would 
be trying to do something similar. <laughs> I mean, he's he is working with Anna, who yeah. wants to open the tomb for her own reasons. So yeah, true. Uh, I mean, I mean, maybe it, he, maybe it works. He, <laughs> it works. I'll say, it like works. I said, head cannon. It's not. It's not set in stone. I do need things set in stone, but that's my business. <laughs> No, but later on, has an altercation with the Salvators when he goes after Elena in the, the empty hallways of the school. And Damon and Stefan rescue Elena and end up interrogating Noah, who, I mean, credit to him. He doesn't give anything up, even as they torture him. He, he only gives up bits of information. But when it gets to, like, the, the meat of his story, he tells them in no uncertain terms that they're going to have to kill him because he won't spill. And they do. They stake him. And we see that Anna has been watching this from afar. So that's what I wanted to mention when you said earlier about Anna watching from the shadows since the comet. That is one of her core traits. There are a number of scenes of her hidden somewhere and gathering information and just like stowing herself away. It's just a really like, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because the character or rather the, the the actress herself is really small that it just kind of like tickles me to think of her in every scene hidden somewhere. She's in the rafters. She's in a cupboard. <laughs> she's under a table. Just like at all times listening in. Legend has it, if you go back and you watch the first 10 episodes and you, you look in the background, you'll spy her in the shadow. She's in every scene. <laughs> that would be hilarious. No, but another character uh, who has been introduced at this point is the bartender slash waiter named Ben, ben McKittrick, I believe yes. it's pronounced. Based on what Caroline says about him to Bonnie, he is a former football star of the local high school, Mystic Falls, who has long since graduated. Caroline describes him as a washed up jock who's now waiting tables, which <laughs> I mean, kind of rude. She didn't need to put it like that. Accurate, though, because if we're checking back with the himbo classification, yes. uh, Ben is big and stupid. He is not particularly nice. So he qualifies as a job. But he's good, at, he's good at faking niceness because when Damon is bothering Bonnie, uh, he shows up to her rescue and starts a little googly eye flirtationship with her. By the end of the episode, it's revealed that he too is a vampire. This town is just crawling with them. And he is in cahoots with Anna. They do share a kiss at the end of the episode and then walk away arm in arm. Mm-hmm. I I read that as it being that, oh, they're meant to be together. But after that, it doesn't even seem like Anna is trying to fake that she likes him. Not so even I a don't know bit. what that was about. Not I don't know what bit. that was about. I, I have to assume that she like throws him a bone every now and then and i mean also she's been around a while she has needs i guess i wouldn't question it by that point anna does have she she does have the info on where the gilbert journal is Mm -hmm. because she has heard from jeremy that he gave it to alaric so now she knows what she needs to do it's revealed that she's been working with ben and noah the vampire that stefan and damon staked earlier that night and she she feels no remorse for noah's death not even when ben bit. asks where noah is she's like he's dead because he's stupid and he, he got was stupid so as hell he didn't follow the plan and he got what was coming to him let's go <laughs> she doesn't have time to be bogged down by these idiots she has a job truly to do. <laughs> And she's just like, these men. (laughs) (laughs) Very early 2010s feminism. Why send a man to do a woman's job? (laughs) (laughs) And yet, and yet, she spends most of her her time plotting, manipulating men 
in and around the town. In her next appearance in the episode Children of the Damned, once again lurking in the shadows. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to notice it every time now. (laughs) She lurks in the shadows and watches Alaric Saltzman uh, reading Jonathan Gilbert's journal that Jeremy has lent to him. Later on when Alaric leaves and has a confrontation with Stefan because Stefan and Damon have been trying to figure out why it is that Alaric seems a little too interested in Damon. Anna takes that opportunity to swipe the journal from his desk. Always patient and waiting. Woman of opportunity she is. (laughs) That's why you wait in the shadows. (laughs) You wait in the shadows, you wait for men to be stupid, and then you make your strike. (laughs) Later on, uh, she meets back up with Ben who is getting ready for a date that he has with Bonnie because Bonnie asked him out. And Mm -hmm. we realize that Ben is also working Bonnie because she is the descendant of the witch that sealed the tomb vampires away. And she's also an integral part of Mm -hmm. whatever it is Anna is up to, which we don't really know at that point. I do think that in that scene where they're in the hotel, where she's like texting Jeremy and Ben is getting ready for the date with Bonnie. Hotel is a generous description. That's a motel. (laughs) It is a motel. It is a Motel 6. I do think that when she's on the call with Jeremy, once she gets off, when Ben asks what's up, you do get the vibe that, one, that he's a little bit jealous, and two, that Anna is kind of a little bit enamored with Jeremy as as much as she is working him. And I think that as we've been talking about her and as I've been describing, she is very much like a mastermind in this arc that is her like one weakness. And she does say it in the episode when he asks... I think Ben asks her why she turned him. Yes. And she says she she was she's a sucker for lost causes. So like that's her one big thing. And even in that scene, like, she doesn't even make any attempt to, like, reassure Ben that, no, I'm into you. This boy means nothing. (laughs) She said you were sad and you were lost. And I turned you because I thought you needed purpose. (laughs) (laughs) She's so honest. It's it's weird because the rest of their working relationship is framed as though Ben is loyal to her because basically because she gave him superpowers and, you know, gave his life some direction. But just the end of that episode where they kissed, I'm like, I don't know whether the writers were going in a certain direction and then they decided... And maybe change their minds afterwards, yeah. Yeah, or maybe some mm-hmm. scenes were cut for time. Who knows? Yeah, who knows what reshoots were happening. Maybe it was just for, like, the shock factor of, like, oh, they geese. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's the CW. Gosh, her flirting wasn't real. She doesn't really like Jeremy. (laughs) (laughs) She hates Jeremy and she's using him? Not clickbait. Ben eventually leaves to go on his date with Bonnie. And during the date, he's trying to fish some info about Elena out of Bonnie. And that is when Bonnie tells him that they're super close. Elena's like a sister to her. He would die for her. And Bonnie kisses Ben. And because she's a witch with psychic powers... She immediately senses that he's a vampire. And I gotta say, often when this kind of a thing happens on TV, people are really bad at lying (laughs) that they don't know someone is dangerous to get themselves out of a situation. She's so subtle about she's it. Pretty, she's pretty subtle. Like, you think she's going to get away with it. She like, he can, her features instantly. It's impressive. She, she has a brief moment of shock. And then Ben, ben asks, so what's wrong? And she she plays it off as she's like, no, you know, actually, I, I, actually, I don't want to, because I think they were on their way out. 
and she decides that no uh, uh i don't want to leave I, I just thought we'd stay a little while longer and then she she pretends she's gonna go off to the little girl's room to powder her nose or whatever when what she really does is she wants to make a phone call and tell elena what's been going on unfortunately ben clocks the lie vamp rushes in front of her which somehow no one else in the room notices i don't know we're not gonna get into the exactitude <laughs> of how fast vampires are running and can they be perceived by people i what i think is that i don't think he necessarily clocked the lie or at least the level of suspicion he had could have been done away with if she hadn't run away she started running once she got far enough away from him and i think that's when he snapped if she had just walked at a normal pace to go do what she needed to do, I think she could have gotten away. I would have been like, I'm running because my bladder is full, boy. Calm down. <laughs> I said I was going to the bathroom. <laughs> well, at that point, he was already flashing his teeth. He'd made his decisions. <laughs> yeah, but um, he, he kidnaps her and he takes her back to their motel room. We don't see her until a little while later because what happens later is Jeremy and Damon are playing video games at the Gilbert household. And Jeremy mentions that he's been hanging out with a girl named Anna, a name that Damon seems to recognize. And when he finds out that this Anna has been showing a lot of interest in the Gilbert Journal, which, you know, everyone in this town seems to love those journals so much. <laughs> Gilbert Journal, the new kid at school. I think that's when Damon starts to clock, but wait a minute, he knows, or at least he suspects that this might be the Anna from 1864 who he knew. He goes with Jeremy, who uh, is meeting up with Anna at the Mystic Grill, you know, the, the only place anyone ever goes. The, the only hip and happening spot, a grill. It's a, it's, it's, it's a small town, you know, Mystic Falls, it's either the Mystic Grill, a Founder's Day celebration, or a party <laughs> in the woods. Those are your three They're options. Only entertainment. Yeah, but um, when Anna goes into the restroom, Damon confronts her. And I really like this scene. Because at this point, we don't, we don't actually know exactly how old Anna is or indeed how, how aging affects a vampire's abilities in this show. Because the only vampires we've really seen at this point are the two Salvators and Noah, who they easily beat and killed in the last episode. And then people who have recently been turned, like Ben and Vicky and Logan. And in the scene, tiny five foot five Melise Chow <laughs> is, is, <laughs> is attacked by Ian Summerholder, who's got to be like at least six foot five eleven. Five eleven only. He is not six foot really? something. I have that stored in my head from back in the day. He's five eleven. Paul Wesley's five ten. Okay, okay. So, I mean, still, still a man, a man much bigger than her. He he vamp rushes at her and chokes her against the wall. She immediately chokes him back, and they begin like this this stare off to see who's going to let go of whose neck first. And eventually Damon gives in, which shows us that despite her size, Anna is clearly significantly stronger than him. So, okay. So that's what I wanted to ask, because did you read that as Anna is stronger than him or that they are evenly matched? I read it as Anna is stronger because Damon lets go first. She, they choke each other and then Damon, okay. Damon says, I give, I give. And then he lets go and then she lets go. Okay, I just, it felt to me, at least, that they were trying to portray that they were evenly matched. And we, we flashback in this episode to Catherine and Pearl. It's at the point where Damon realizes he knows Anna, and we flashback to 1864, where we meet Pearl 
who's Catherine's best friend. And then at some point, little Annabelle comes rushing up and she's wearing, frankly, something that I thought was like a baby bonnet. And I was like, I know we're trying to present this character to appear young, but that seems like an insane choice. I was like, where is her matching bib? I'm so confused. But anyway, we know that Pearl is at least as old as Catherine. Yes. So like 500 years plus. Yes. Which means Anna must also be that old if Anna is her biological daughter. Yes. And every vampire that's like at that level of 500 has handedly thrown Damon aside. So it just confused me that it was such a struggle for her in this scene. And then in a later scene, he manages to overpower not only her, but also her mother, who granted Pearl is like fresh out the tomb, yes, really yes. weak, atrophied. So that's an easy guess. I did, I did wonder about that. It seemed, because later on when Pearl has fed and she's up to her normal level of strength, he, she easily overpowers Damon. But Anna never so seems easily. significantly po- more powerful. She says, little boy, <laughs> you can't touch me and throws him one side. And I'm like, why couldn't Anna do that? I guess because she's physically smaller. Do we I have to consider that as like think, leverage? I don't think that's... I don't know. I don't think the physical size matters, does it? Right. It just didn't sit right with me, but like, I don't, as far as I read it, I was reading it as even match, but you, the way you're describing it, that does sort of seem like they're acknowledging she's stronger, but that latter scene that we'll get to, I'm sure, still then doesn't sit right with me. But anyway, I digress. It is a bit strange, but but yes, uh, she's she's at least definitely stronger than him. Maybe not as strong as she should be. Maybe she doesn't feed often. I don't know. It's possible. It's possible. Maybe, maybe she was hungry. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bad night for her. <laughs> She's living in a Motel 6. You know, she doesn't really have much rations. She's splitting it with Ben McKittrick. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> she was having an off day. It's okay. Yes, but you mentioned you mentioned flashbacks. Um, yes, there are a few flashbacks uh, between Stefan and Damon who recognize, each of them recognize where they remember Anna from. I think for Damon, it's when he sees, is it when Pearl and Catherine are speaking and Anna is nearby? Mm-hmm. I think she's, she's, she's standing by a horse. Stefan, I think Stefan saw Anna get away with Emily when Pearl was taken yes. by Jonathan Gilbert, the elder, um, and the rest of the townsfolk. That scene, uh-huh. I mean, if we can just... Di- diverge and talk about Pearl for a moment. Always. That scene made me realize that Pearl, I think Pearl genuinely was in love with Jonathan Gilbert. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I hadn't read it as that. I thought it was just like a, you know, a flirtation ship. Like, she wasn't taking it that seriously. But she she truly seemed to think for a moment that he wasn't going to expose her for vampirism because he realizes in that moment that she's a vampire because of the compass. I think the fact that, I, I don't remember it perfectly, but I remember there being a scene where they needed to get away, but she went back one last time to, like, say goodbye to John Gilbert. I don't think she would have wasted her time with that if she was wasn't like genuinely in love with him. I don't I don't know if she was saying goodbye because the thing is that they realize that the town vampires are being rounded up and she clearly senses danger because she tells Annabelle to go find Emily and stay hidden. I think they're both outside. She tells Anna to go inside and get Emily and stay hidden. Is it him who catches up with her? No, she she walks towards him but he's not that far away. I don't I don't know why she didn't just flee. Maybe it was curiosity, maybe she was worried about Catherine, who knows. <laughs> but 
she walks up to him and asks and uh she greets him and he tells her that oh the the town has gone mad rounding up vampires isn't it wonderful and then his compass starts to spin towards her and obviously she's one of the few vampires that has a daylight ring so he never suspected her yeah he realizes she's a vampire they have this moment where she looks horrified he looks (laughs) horrified (laughs) for a moment he doesn't speak and then she says jonathan please and he takes a step back and she's like, I beg you. And then he yells at his fellows that he's, he's like, I found another one. I found yeah. another vampire. And only then does she try to vamp speed away. But then she gets shot in the back and then they take her away. I guess I misremember that scene. I thought she went back to like bid him farewell as they were trying to escape. I mean, I don't know why she didn't run faster. Maybe it was hard <laughs> to do with a, a dress. The long 1864 dress. It is truly the skirts are getting in the way. You vamp speed too fast. You start tripping <laughs> over yourself. He's somersault at 300 <laughs> FPS down a hill. Who wants to do that? Anna watches from afar as her mother is taken away. She seems to want to go and help her, but Emily Bennett, Bonnie's ancestor, who is a witch, mm. um, keeps her back and promises her that she is going to protect Pearl and all of the other vampires who are being captured that night. In the same scene, we see that Stefan can see them hiding, and that's that's how we see um, Stefan remembers Anna from back then. Back at the Gilbert house, Elena is with Stefan, and Jenna lets her know that Jeremy's friend Anna is in the house. <laughs> By now, Stefan has also figured out that, wait a second, I know that name. It's kind of funny how these people recognize, these people who've been alive for like a century and a half, recognize individuals based on their first names alone. Truly, and a name like Anna, Anna. it's like, it has to be the only Anna who's ever existed in this town. Annabelle Jew from 1864. When when Jenna's telling Stefan this, Elena is in her room getting some aspirin uh, because I think she has a headache. So when Stefan realizes that, oh, there's a vampire in this house, it's definitely that Anna. (laughs) Um, He rushes upstairs to go check on Elena, but by then she is gone. She's been kidnapped by Anna. International super spy. Looking back, I realize that Ben, at some stage after taking Bonnie, must have told Anna that Bonnie is friends with Elena and that if we want Bonnie to do something for us, Elena makes the perfect leverage. I don't think it was Ben who told her that. I think Anna figured <laughs> that out You think Anna figured it out? You think she questioned Jeremy about that too? She's been watching them since the Comet days. She knows exactly who's who. She knows the network of friends. That's how she knew she target Jeremy. She knew he was a Gilbert. She knew that he would have access to certain records. She went straight for him. I don't doubt that she knew what the friendships are. I mean, I, tr- I tried to give Ben some credit. For who? You're just like, you're like, you're like, Ben is just the dumb muscle. <laughs> this is Anna's plan. I'm sorry to the Ben McKittrick stands out there. <laughs> he's, he's not anything to write home about. <laughs> ben just showed up when Anna was already completed the project. They stood in front of the class together. Yeah. She gave the whole presentation. <laughs> and he smiled and looked pretty. He presented on half a slide with a pre-written speech in his hand that Anna wrote <laughs> for him (laughs) i think the very reason that he flirts with bonnie in the first place is because anna has turned him and has told him this is what you're gonna do you're gonna seduce bonnie girl because she's the only one without a love interest in this nucleus of the town and that's how we're gonna get in and once you seduced her then we can snatch her after we've mined her for information and then now that we know she's a witch we're gonna use her for what we need to do 
I think it's all Anna. It probably was. I mean, she is, at this point in the show, she is the main antagonist because Damon has decided to mostly behave. Mostly. He's at least stopped trying to hurt Stefan. He's now just focused on getting Catherine out of the two. Which, by God, the bare minimum. I mean, he's already <laughs> killed his best friend at this point. In the, in the next episode, Fool Me Once, uh, Elena wakes up, kidnapped as per usual, in the, <laughs> in, the most, <laughs> in the motel room. And she looks around the room and she sees Ben sleeping on a chair. He's clearly supposed to be watching her, but has dozed off. So she tries to sneak out and Ben catches her. I, I, I think she does almost manage to get away, but then Anna shows up. She probably yeah. could have made it out, like, out of the door because Ben doesn't have a daylight ring and it, it, is, it is daytime. A crazy slip up on her part for how meticulous she's been is that she hasn't fully briefed him on the limits of vampirism. She hasn't told him that they drink vervain. I think he tried to compel them. I think he, I think he didn't realize that Elena was wearing vervain. the vervain necklace. He compelled, yeah, he compels her not to try and leave again. But I don't think he, I don't think he had any way of knowing. <laughs> he had no way of knowing that her pretty locket had vervain in it. Right. So she pretends to be compelled, then immediately tries to escape again. But then Anna is there. I wrote here that this is the one slip up Anna makes. But in her defense, she's truly working alone. Her lackeys are dumb, and the people she's trying to leverage simply refuse to cooperate. She is doing her best. <laughs> no, fair, fair. Ben is, as you say, just the muscle. He's, he's definitely not very smart. They take Elena to the motel's bathroom, the, the bathroom of the suite that they're in, where she finds Bonnie unconscious in the tub, uh, where presumably Ben left her after kidnapping her. I don't know what their plan was going to be if Bonnie had woken up, because... I know she's a young witch, but if Anna wasn't there and you've got this able-bodied human girl and a witch and it's daytime, mm. I'm like, all Elena has to do is open the curtains and Ben is helpless. I guess maybe Anna got sidetracked. She was hoping to get back sooner, but she got like distracted by something. By what? <laughs> Jeremy. The only answer is Jeremy. Her one weakness in this arc is Jeremy Gilbert. A prized man. <laughs> Hey, hey, not too much on Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> I will reserve my Jeremy comments for the time being. Anna explains to Elena that her mother is one of the 20... Well, at that point, we're still supposed to believe it's 27 vampires who are in the tube. Because they're counting Catherine. Yes, we're counting Catherine, who isn't there. But she tells Elena that her, her mother is in the tomb and she wants to get her out. She's been trapped there since 1864. Anna phones Stefan and tells her that she's got Elena and he better bring her the, is it Emily's grimoire? Mm -hmm. Emily Bennett's grimoire, or she'll kill Elena, which is a line we'll hear many times throughout this show. Yeah. Shame. Elena has a nice moment there because the moment Anna says that like she's trying to get her mom out of the tube, Elena has like a moment of empathy such that even Anna's like, okay, no dead mom bonding, please. Yes, she <laughs> I've kidnapped you. <laughs> I remember that and I was like, well, your mom isn't dead, Anna. Like, yeah, actually, what Anna, you, you can get your mom back. <laughs> Later on, Anna goes to meet Damon, but she runs into Jeremy. And I think at that point, I think she's mostly done with him. Oh, yeah. She's she's not even looking at him as they speak. She's like actively trying to leave the conversation every time he talks. <laughs> Jeremy even brings up the vampire stuff because I think at that point he's been starting to get his own suspicions about what's been going on. I think she brushes it off and tells him that she just made the whole thing up because 
she was just trying to flirt because she called him cute and floppy and she was trying to make a good impression. <laughs> Which I'm like, I'm like, Anna just plays these boys like fiddles. I love it. But she does hear that Jeremy will be going to a party that evening, which is near the old cemetery in town, which is also near where the entrance to the tomb is. We love conveniences. <laughs> that's that's the reason that she changes her mind and decides to start paying attention to him again. She's like, the party's where? <laughs> mm, by my interesting. Okay. Right by where I need to be, I'm there. Call me your girlfriend. Kiss me on the lips. I'm coming <laughs> to that party. Oh, not quite yet. <laughs> but Anna Anna tries to get Damon to work with her because she's she's aware that Damon wants to get Catherine out of the tomb. We don't know it at this point, but Catherine isn't in the tomb and Anna is well aware of that fact. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. once again, being manipulative, she's trying to get Damon to work with her because they both want to get people out of there, but she knows that the person Damon wants isn't in there. Damon, for his part, initially doesn't want to work with her. He insists that he works alone. I think he's a bit jaded at that point because he's had a bit of a an issue with Elena and Stefan pretending they wanted to help him and then being caught lying. So he's 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 trying to do a whole lone wolf thing, but then Anna threatens to kill Elena. (laughs) Drop everything. And that gets (laughs) simple as that. That gets Damon to co-op. In the meantime, Elena and Bonnie have managed to escape because Benny's useless. (laughs) And also it's date it's 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 daytime. There's not much Ben can do. Truly he was set up for failure. What I think happens is they try to escape one time. I think Elena asks for some water and then Bonnie asks for a sip and she gives Elena a look and Elena's sharp enough to catch that Bonnie's about to try some cool shit. So she hands Bonnie the glass of water. Bonnie takes the water, throws it on Ben, does some witchy woo-woo and turns the water into fire, transmutation style, sets Ben on fire. Bonnie uses that moment to run past him and head out the door. Elena tries, but he catches her even though he's on fire and he's like... I get back in here or I'll kill her. And then I think at a later stage, Stefan comes in to rescue them. And he takes care of Ben so easily. Yes, yes. Stefan saves them. Because the girls can't escape on their own. Um, <laughs> Stefan, who's got a daylight ring, manages to save them. And he threatens Ben, telling him that he should leave town. And then leaves Ben cowering in the shadow that the, the bed is costing. <laughs> I mean, what was he so what was he supposed to do? Anna is really annoyed when she comes home and sees Ben like just lurking <laughs> in the shadows and <laughs> their hostage is gone. But I'm like, girl, I mean, <laughs> what did you want from him? <laughs> I mean, I guess at that point in the show, it's difficult for people to get daylight rings. Mm-hmm. You need a witch to spell one, and not many people know a witch, so... They're supposed to be this hot commodity. Later on in the series, everybody who's a main character and a vampire will have one. Well, because they all know Bonnie, and Bonnie is truly the savior of all. Some people show up with daylight rings already. Like who? Like Enzo. Enzo has a daylight ring. Oh, and yes, yeah. Enzo is Enzo is fairly old, but I always think about how Lexi is stated to be like 300 and something, but she doesn't have one. And Lexi's so nice. If she couldn't convince a witch, then to give how her a is everyone room. else doing it? Yeah. Well, you Enzo know, has the heretics. Yeah. It, I don't know if they were intending to do that the whole time, but with the history of Enzo, who was running with Lily and crew, it's very possible they just made him. Oh, but wait. Did Enzo know them when they were. Oh, I don't remember. 
I know that Lily turns Enzo into a vampire when he's young and dying of tuberculosis or consumption, as they call consumption. it. Consumption. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't remember if he rides with them for a bit and then they get trapped in the in the prison world. So it's possible one of the heretics made it for him. I don't know. I don't remember. We'll have to we'll have to cover that in a possible in heretic episode. <laughs> episode or Enzo episode. Enzo, no promises. I think Enzo's <laughs> higher up on the totem pole than the heretics. I may not particularly care about him, but he's been in the show for a big chunk. Four seasons. I want to. I want to keep people guessing. <laughs> oh, oh sure. <laughs> I will. I will say the odds are higher for Enzo, yes. but you don't know if and when that will happen. No, he was. He was. He was bold as a main character at a certain point. So I mean, we'll see. But yeah, Anna. Anna realizes that they've now lost Elena, their hostage, and Bonnie, their bedded witch. But she seems to have faith that Damon is going to get the tomb open. I guess she knows that Elena cares about Damon at this point. I I wouldn't put it past her. We've established she's been watching from the shadows. We've established she learned the relationship dynamics. She's like, he's going to figure it out. He's got friends in high places. He's going to get that tomb open. I guess that was just her plan B. That was like the, the net with which to catch herself if, if all her scheming failed. I, I will say at this point in the episode, it feels like a Hail Mary. She's starting to spin at the end of this episode when her plan with Bonnie and Elena hasn't worked out. And she's truly just like, I just need to be there at the tomb and hope it opens. And then I'm going to take my opportunity. I will also say at this point, Ben has, because post the Elena and Bonnie escape, Anna has recruited Ben to kidnap Jeremy at the point where they meet to talk about I don't know if it's to talk when they're talking about attending the party or if it's at the party I think it's just outside the party like they're they're nearby right she's talking about how she's going to be leaving town with her mom because she's already planning ahead apparently and she and Jeremy kiss and she like kind of vamps a little bit again and then Ben shows up and knocks him out so she's already like Listen, I've got to have a snack ready for when Mamzo gets out. Pragmatic. <laughs> <laughs> but she she tells Ben to bring Jeremy close to the tomb because, like you said, she she wants to have a snack for her mother. But then Stefan shows up, ever the hero. And while it seems like... I, I know that at that point, Stefan has decided that he's going to help He's going to allow Damon to get Catherine out because Stefan still thinks Catherine is in there like Damon does. He's mm. going to allow Damon to get Catherine out as long as it means that he and Catherine get the hell out of Mystic Falls like, yes. and just leave everyone alone. I'm not sure why he's so against Anna getting her mother out. I believe at the time they're worried she wants to get the rest of the vampires out. I don't know if they know that she's just here for her mom. But she told Damon she was. Oh, then I don't know. Maybe they're just being selfish. We know that the main characters <laughs> at a certain point pass an event horizon where it's like, we're not going to pretend they're like virtuous characters. They're just worried about their oh, own Oh, they truly do. <laughs> I think it's season three. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this was an early preview. I, I couldn't tell you why Stefan of all people would be, I think would be pretty okay with Anna just getting her mom and then dipping out. I guess maybe they were worried about the risk. Yeah, he, he, he tells Anna that he's going to stop her. He's not going to let her get her mother out. Um, but she tells him that he can either stop her from getting into the tomb and releasing her mother, or he can save Jeremy, who she's six Ben on. I don't know if she had told Ben to actually hurt Jeremy. It looked like he was going to. Yeah. It certainly looked like he wanted to. <laughs> he fights Stefan and, and eventually loses 
where Stefan's setting him on fire. Shrabs a blowtorch and sh- and just blasts <laughs> him with flame. It's almost comical. He says some some like heroic line of like, I think from the encounter earlier, he's like, I told you to get out of town and never come back. And Ben's trying to be like, trying to stand up to him. <laughs> Stefan throws him easily, grabs a blowtorch and just destroys him. It's so funny. Goes up in smoke. Shame. If Anna had been there, she wouldn't have battered an eyelid. But by that point, she's gone into the tomb where Bonnie and her grandmother, Sheila, have done a spell to open the door and allow people inside. But at that point, they have not yet undone the seal that keeps vampires from leaving the tomb once they've entered. Anna arrives and finding the door open, Damon and Elena have already gone in to look for Catherine. She goes in to look for her mother. Bonnie tries to stop her, but her grandmother Sheila tells her, no, 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 it's fine. Let, let her go in. She, she ain't getting out. Ain't no vampire do. coming out of there. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems it seems Sheila had every intention of leaving Damon in the tomb and allowing Elena to get back out. Don't know how she expected that to play out because they were obviously going to come out at the same time. And like, I don't I don't see Damon just letting Elena leave if he's been betrayed. I think she could have easily done what she needed to do to incapacitate Damon if she needed to. So that Elena could leave. That's true. That's true. Yes, she could the, knock him the down. The headache like aneurysm spell. Yeah. Simple yeah. as that. At that point, inside the tomb, Damon is off looking for Catherine, who he can't find anywhere in this <laughs> spacious <laughs> dungeon because she's not there. And he's become separated from Elena, who is now wandering around in the dark around these desiccated, mummified looking vampires who've been starving for 145 years. She bumps into Anna, who tells her that. She blames Jonathan Gilbert, Elena's ancestor, for her mother being stuck in this tomb. Rightfully so. <laughs> and that in a, in a sense of poetic justice, she had always planned for it to be the blood of a Gilbert that revived her mother once she found it. And she tells Elena that she was planning on giving Jeremy to her mother, but Elena will do just as well. <laughs> she said, listen, I'm adaptable. I pivot when the moment requires it. And I am making some chief decisions in the moment right now i mean it's her mother i can't be mad at someone for trying to save their mom no. you know no. she's waited 140 years and ultimately anna is no more selfish than all these other main characters end up not being. even a little bit so it's all good so she bites elena and starts to feed elena's blood to her mother who she's now found in the tomb looking all shriveled up and wearing a tattered dress from the 19th century. How that cloth held together is... That was some, like, fine material, some sturdy material. I guess if you're not moving, because they were all just lying down or sitting down. But also it would have to be synthetic, because, like, if it's organic material, it would have broken down over time anyways. Regardless of how still you are, decomposition is an inevitable process. So it would have to be, like... I don't... We don't have to go down the history of fabrics. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Maybe the seal that was keeping the tomb closed was keeping bacteria out. I don't know. Bacteria got misread as vampiric, and the seal was like, absolutely not. You will not pass this barrier. <laughs> hey, maybe. <laughs> By that point, Stefan, who's finished killing Ben, has come down and wants to follow Elena and Damon into the tomb because he hears Elena scream as Anna is feeding her blood to her mother, Pearl. But Sheila, who clearly has some affection for Stefan, unlike Damon, she tells him not to go inside because if he goes inside, he won't be able to come back out. Stefan decides that, hey, you know, Elena's in danger. 
I don't care. We'll we'll figure it out. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. And he rushes inside to save her and stops Pearl from feeding on her. Even though Pearl's only been feeding on her for like a minute tops, <laughs> she already looks way better. It's that it's the difference between like starvation and like survival. It's like all I needed was that little bit to get me going, and now I can do anything. <laughs> It's the penicillin in The Last of Us in Joel. He gets like two shots of penicillin <laughs> and suddenly he's beating up ten people left and right. I'll I'll put a pin in that with how the blood works. With Catherine not being there, as they soon realize, there are only 26 vampires in this too. Anna manages to get her mother out. Later on, as she's leaving, the main characters are still inside the tomb. Elena, Damon, and Stefan are still inside. And Bonnie and Sheila are trying to figure out how they can get Stefan out. Anna walks by them and says that she assures them that, that Jeremy is outside and he's okay. And that she and her mother won't hurt him and they, they never intended to really hurt him. Which, I'm like, the last you saw of Jeremy, you told... <laughs> You told Stefan that he could either fight you or save Jeremy from bed. Also, initially, you brought him here to feed him to your mom. So what's yes, the truth, Anna? not five minutes ago, you told Elena that you were going to feed him to your mom. I guess not to death, not to death. She was just going to say, drain half of him so that you can get moving and then we'll figure it out from there. You know, she may not have intended to kill him. She did like him. I guess I was like, hmm, Anna, this feels a little revisionist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you never intended to hurt him. <laughs> you won't touch him. Damon, when he could not find Catherine in the tomb, mm -hmm. he went in with a blood bag because he also knew that, you know, a vampire would be hungry after a century and a half. When he can't find Catherine through his rage, frustration, and heartbreak, he flings the blood bag at the wall of a tomb where it bursts and some of the blood trickles down. At the end of the episode, when everyone else has now left the tomb, and they assume that they've now resealed it. Damon and Stefan managed to get out with Elena. They've locked the other 25 vampires inside. That blood trickles down and manages to revive a vampire. Harper, in fact. I, I wonder how it is that the bit of blood from that single blood bag revived all of those vampires. Because, okay, Harper takes some and it gives him enough strength to get out of the tomb because the seal actually failed and the door is not, is not locked. How did everybody else who seemed to actually be paralyzed, how did they get to it, drink the few drops they needed to regain their strength? I like... have to assume. No, because they say that not all of them stay in town. Some half the tomb, in fact, most of the two vampires just dip. They like get out of the tomb and they leave town because they want nothing to do with Mystic Falls anymore. It's just Pearl Anna Harper and their closest kin. So my, my theory was that maybe once Harper was well and safe, but no, by the time Harper gets to Pearl's house or Miss, the others Miss are Flowers already there. or Miss Gibbon's house, the others are already yes. there. So it's like, yes. if Harper was the first out, then has he been meandering for so long that everyone else has already fed well enough to look fresh? and found themselves at Pearl's new abode. That is a bit strange. Apparently, because, I mean, Harper gets out, and at the start of the next episode, we see him wandering around. He feeds off some unfortunate hiker and takes his clothes. And later on, when Harper is wandering around the town square, he makes eye contact with a woman sitting down, who we later on learn is Beth Ann, another of the tomb vampires. And she's also looking fresh-faced. Face beat. <laughs> Blood pumping, she's rearing to go, she's already figured it out. And it's like, 
how when Harper was the first one out? So I don't know. Maybe they weren't paralyzed. They were just tired. And once they saw that there was a, a leaking blood bag nearby, they all got that last bit of strength Second to wind. crawl towards it and take some. Or maybe maybe some of them came back with blood for the others. I don't know. Some They were friends. Maybe they cared enough to do that. But at the end of the episode, Anna has now brought Pearl home. I don't know if they're in the same motel where they where Anna has been staying, but Damon is already waiting there for them. He's realized that Catherine was never in the tomb and that Anna knew that. I don't know how he knows she knew, but <laughs> he accuses her and she doesn't deny it. <laughs> uh, he tells her he, he he tells her you knew you knew Catherine wasn't in the tomb and you let me believe that. And Anna just she just states that you wouldn't have helped me if if you hadn't believed she was in there. Damon then threatens Pearl, who at that point is still very weak. She's only had a few ounces of Gilbert blood from Elena, so she's she's nowhere near strong enough to fight Damon. But this, I think this is the scene you were talking about. Yes, where he's got both Anna and Pearl by the neck. And it's like, how is that possible when Anna's so much older than him and he's also using half his, like, appendages to hold up this other person it just really didn't track for me of like he shouldn't be able to do this i understand that there is this like kind of broadly understood thing that sometimes when vampires are hyper emotional they can get like a burst of strength and overpower someone who is otherwise stronger than they are it happens when damon is attacking Bill Forbes. Yeah. And Caroline throws Damon into a wall. And then when he tries to like choke her down at the table, he's like, I'm older than you. I'm stronger. And she's like, well, I'm angrier. She headbutts him. She knocks him again into the wall. And then she tosses him aside and she grabs Bill and vamp speeds out. So it is possible for a younger vampire to overpower an older vampire. I guess you could argue because he's so filled with grief for the fact that he couldn't find Catherine. That was how he could overpower Anna. I don't know. It it just still doesn't feel right to me. Maybe I just don't like to see Damon win. And maybe, <laughs> maybe Anna is tired. You know when you've been working hard at something and you're finally done and your whole body just relaxes. She's been slaving away all day. She needs a break. <laughs> you know, the devil works hard, but Anna Anna works harder. Or, or, or perhaps she was just worried about fighting Damon because, I mean... All it takes is one good rip of a vampire's head and, you know, decapitation and they're dead. So she maybe she didn't want to risk getting too rough with her mother around. That's fair. Since That's her fair. mother was still fragile at that point. She she begs Damon for mercy, uh, repeating over and over that he wouldn't have helped her. And that was the only reason that she lied. And Damon yells at her that how come she gets to have her happy ending? That she got the person she wanted out of the tomb. He waited 145 years and he has nothing to show for it. Which is like, why do you deserve a happy ending, Damon, over anyone else? What does that mean? You sound like a petulant child. <laughs> I, I, again, we're not here to talk about Damon, but that scene struck me as so petulant. Damon has also been working really hard. He's also been scheming, you know, much like Anna. Okay, well, sucks to suck, I guess. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's like that kid going to the teacher and being like, how come I got a B, but this person who had like the same... The same SASB got an A. Oh, ma'am, I did the same working. <laughs> <laughs> like, why is my grade not that <laughs> At that point, Pearl speaks up and she tells Damon that Catherine was captured along with the rest of the 26 vampires who were in tomb, but that she managed to escape 
before the church was set on fire. She mentions a character whom we never see again. I don't know whether he gets retconned out because she says that there was a guard who worked at the church and she says Catherine, quote unquote, had him under her spell like she did all of the rest of us and that she had promised to turn this guard if he helped her escape. So this, despite being weakened by Vervain, he helped her get out of the tomb. The thing is, we never hear about this man again. And in season two, with all of the Moonstone drama, the narrative then becomes that George Lockwood, one of Tyler's ancestors, mm. who had at that point already triggered his werewolf curse, he had agreed to help Catherine escape in exchange for the Moonstone, which she had been holding on to. Which he believed would help him rid him of his werewolf curse. Yes. So I don't know whether George was the guard and Pearl just didn't know his name or whether whether the guard was working under George's orders or whether Catherine was just playing a bunch of people because she does always have a plan B. I'm perfectly fine with the, with the George was the guard thing, but it would be kind of crazy for a founding family member to just be like, you're God. Well, I guess, no, actually, it makes sense if it was guarding the tomb of vampires, which the founding family was specifically focused on the efforts of capturing the, the tomb vampires. You would put someone in the family on that detail, not just some rando. So maybe. I guess. I guess Pearl was just like, I don't know these people's names. <laughs> I, it's a, how many fells do I have to mow through until <laughs> one of them becomes important? Anna then tells Damon that in the time between 1864 and the present, she has actually run into Catherine at least once. She tells Damon that the last time she saw Catherine was in Chicago in 1983. She must have not just seen Catherine from afar, but spoken to her because she tells Damon that Catherine knew where Damon was. And didn't care. Oh, knife to the heart. Yeah, I guess that that's the moment where we realize that it's not some misunderstanding. It's not that Catherine escaped and has been looking for Damon all these years. They just kept missing each other. No, it's like she knew where you were and she knew she, that you thought she was dead. She didn't give a damn. Is it bad that I take a little bit of personal glee from that plot beat? Is it? I is it I like, am not here to judge you. Uh, is it mean? <laughs> <laughs> my, my personal glee comes from just how much Catherine does not care about anyone but herself. I love the moments when she reminds us of that. But I have to wonder, Catherine went through all of this, faking her own death. I'm pretty sure she always intended for the tomb vampires to get caught. Indeed, maybe that's why she was turning so many people when she stayed in Mystic Falls in 1864. We do see in other flashbacks that Pearl, sensing that things are getting a little risky, wants to leave with Emily and Anna. And Catherine is like, no, no, I'm still having too much fun. Let's stay a while. Let me play with the Salvatore boys. It seems that she always intended for this to happen. She always wanted to betray two of her friends, let them get locked in with a bunch of vampires that she created and fake her own death. But I have to wonder... If she was doing that to escape Klaus, surely that meant she would then have to keep a low profile forever after, after that. So how did she let Anna run into her in 1983 and even have a conversation with her that she let Anna walk away from alive? Someone who knew you back then and who, whose relationship with Catherine actually goes back before Mystic Falls because we do know that they all arrived there together. I was going to say, what are the chances Klaus would put together Anna and Catherine? But I guess Catherine and Pearl being best friends and going back hundreds of years, it would be strange if Klaus didn't at least somehow find that out through the vampire grapevine, you know? Because all the old vampires know each other. Yeah. And, and as an original, Klaus would be able to compel Anna 
and get her to tell him anything. Oh yeah, right. So I'm just like, <laughs> you could just be like, do you know Catherine? Yes, yes, she is alive and she's in Chicago. I'm like, Catherine, what are you doing in Chicago? If I faked my death in Virginia and I was hiding from an ancient immortal, you would never catch me in the US again. I'd be like, I'm not setting foot in that country. She's looking for Stefan again. She's constantly going back to check if Stefan's still there because we know she's in Chicago in the 20s when Stefan runs into Klaus and Rebecca and they form the whole bond. We know she's there with that bad Bob like watching from the background. So Uh, stands to reason. I know we said that Catherine doesn't care about anyone but herself, but at least for that early chunk. And in fact, even later when she comes back in like season five, it's apparent that she has always loved Stefan. Where like, where Stefan looks back on his time with Catherine in the 1800s and recognizes that he was in a haze of compulsion. He was being forced to like consume vampire blood, etc., etc. He recognizes that Catherine manipulated them both for her own personal means and has grown to resent her. And Damon has always been obsessed with her up until the point where the tomb stuff happens. Catherine has always loved Stefan. She doesn't care for Damon, but in season two, in season three, she's always hammering home that Stefan is the one that she wanted. But she knew that Stefan wouldn't leave his brother behind, so she wanted to turn them both so that they could all leave together. At least that's what I remember it being. So it is possible she was just back in Chicago being like, maybe Stefan's still around, or maybe he's circled back. I'm just like, how's he doing? I'm looking hot. Let's hook up. (laughs) I don't know. No, no, it's true because I mean, if she's if she's willing to be in the same city as Klaus in the 1920s just because she's spying on Stefan, <laughs> right? It's like clearly she would go to hell or high water for this man. The next time we see Anna is right at the end of the episode "A Few Good Men," where Harper, uh, the aforementioned tomb vampire who escaped, winds up at Mrs. Gibbons' house, where we see that Pearl and Anna, and a bunch of the other tomb vampires have taken up residence, and they've clearly decided that they're going to stick around for a while. In the episode, There Goes the Neighborhood, we see that the tomb vampires are acclimating to life in the 21st century. Anna is helping the vampires get accustomed to technology like remote controls and the various TV stations, which I can only imagine how difficult that must be. (laughs) How do you explain a remote control to someone who doesn't even know what a TV is. Who hasn't like, seen an electric light. It's it's crazy. And the thing about technology is that it's an exponential curve. So like the jump from 1864 to 1964 compared to the jump from 1864 to present day, crazy. Enormous. Mrs. Uh, Miss Gibbon, Miss Gibbons, the human resident who owns the house, is under compulsion. Presumably, Pearl decided to stay inside a house with a human being so that unwanted vampires wouldn't be able to get in. It seems to be an established practice based on the conversation they have with Damon when he shows up. And yet Stefan and Damon seem comfortable living in the Salvatore house with no humans there once Uncle Zack is killed. Should be noted Uncle Zack was their human and then Damon killed him, exposing them to dangers (laughs) left and right. (laughs) Was their human? You make him sound like... (laughs) He was! They were much older than him and he served their purposes. I think Stefan liked them well enough in the way that Stefan 
likes to appreciate having family and descendants knowing that they will never have children themselves that comes in later in like season five and then again in season seven it's like a, a, a rolling pattern with stefan but yeah they had zach damon killed him and he doesn't mention that when pearl asks him how do you keep outdated he just says some stupid cocky thing and it's like no damon you killed your human you did a dumb <laughs> But before Anna and Pearl meet up with Damon, when they're still back at Miss Gibbon's house, I do see a, an example of Anna's compassion now that she's gotten her mother back and she, there's, there's no more nefarious ideas in her mind. One of the tomb vampires, Frederick, is feeding off of a compelled Miss Gibbons. And Miss Gibbons then offers Anna her wrist, asking her if she wants some. And Anna is like, no, that's fine. And she can see bite marks all over this poor woman's body that is being used to feed several vampires. She's like, you will collapse and die if I take another drop from you. These, these. She tells Miss Gibbons that, why don't you go lie down for a while? And Frederick is like, no, she's fine. And compels Miss Gibbons to be like, you're fine, aren't you? And she's like, no, I'm fine. Ugh, ugh, I hate Frederick. So I just... I thought I thought I thought that was worth noting. I thought that was worth noting that Anna is not she's not just chomping down on humans all willy nilly like the originals do or like Damon does. Not at all. She truly was just a girl trying to get her mother back, her mother who was tricked into imprisonment. And beyond that, she's pretty chill. She goes with um with her mother to visit Damon. Her mother is now looking much better. Um not just because she's been, you know, rejuvenated from blood, but you know, she's she's got a nice suit on. Like she's businesswoman. She's, she has a ponytail. It's Kelly who obviously she's gonna look stunning regardless. But yeah, she's like well put together. Something I want to note about this scene is it's not anything story wise. It is the the way they've shot it, and I don't know if it's intentional or not. It kind of has to be for the number of times that it happens. But Pearl walks in to speak to Damon, and Pearl will speak. And as she's speaking, Anna sort of melds out of her shadow. It's I, I, the way they've like framed it and shot it. It's like Pearl will move and then Anna will like move out from behind her and kind of step to the side. And then we we'll switch angles and we just see Pearl again. And then Anna moves out from her from behind her and steps to the side. It's it's if you get a chance to go back and watch it, have a look at like how they are coordinated. Something about it just like hit to me that like, they instantly are back in lockstep uh, and they work together and it's just like she's such the like the protege of pearl and you now get to see where she learned it from where she like got all this kind of prowess from and it also just like links up with her like in the shadows style of, of moving <laughs> through the show she's like tucked behind her mother and then oop you thought I was gone, didn't you? I've been here the whole time. <laughs> she she does she does say to Damon the first time that she and Damon meet in the 21st century. Damon, who is remembering her from the 1864, she says, "I didn't speak much back then, which means I heard everything." So she's all she's always been lurking. <laughs> she's on it. Like you said, Pearl. Once she and Anna show up at the Salvatore house uninvited, she asks Damon, "You have no humans living here. How do you?" keep unwanted vampires out and damon cockily just says killing them he seems to have forgotten how vampire strength works because in that moment he's not the least bit afraid of pearl he, he rushes over to pearl and grabs her neck as if to emphasize the point that he's not afraid to get violent and she easily overpowers him she tosses she him back four times as old as he is it is a dumb choice that he makes she she tosses oh, she tosses him God. back onto the couch 
and tells him that if he still wants to find Catherine, she can help him in exchange for his help. I believe she is looking to purchase property in Mystic Falls. No, actually, no, it's not that. It's at that point. I think she wants to know what the workings of the town are because they want to oh, live yes, in town. Oh, yes, demons on the council. Yeah, they want to know, they want to use his, his place on the council to learn who are the founding families that are currently in town, who takes Vervain and who doesn't, and how do we get to stopping that because we're going to need to start feeding, obviously. Basically, what's the hot gas and what's the movement <laughs> in Mystic Falls so you can help us settle in and acclimate more quickly? Yes, um, because Uncle Zach had been the person... Zach Salvatore had been the person growing the vervain. Damon and Stefan have still, well, mostly Damon, since Stefan's meant to be a teenager. Damon has still been supplying that vervain to the town council, as is the Salvatore's responsibility. So Pearl tells him that that will need to stop immediately because they want food. And she lets him know that she and Anna have taken up residence at a farmhouse just outside of Mystic Falls. When Damon asks her if all of the tomb vampires are there, she specifically says that no, it's not all of them, that some of them are still getting their bearings in the woods, that some of them have long since left town. The wisest of the bunch, in my opinion. <laughs> Truly said um, never again. <laughs> I refuse to get involved in small town vampire hunt politics. I'm out. Going to Chicago. In the midst of a discussion, Damon lets her know that once again, he doesn't like working with people or being people's errand boys unless he stands something to gain. And since the only thing she's offered him is Catherine, and he tells her that he no longer gives a damn about Catherine since she lied about being in the tomb that she has nothing to offer him so he's not interested at which point she tells damon that she only offered catherine as <laughs> as a kindness a, a nice frankly. a nice gesture <laughs> i was being generous and that she she wasn't here making a request she was here making demands she vamp speeds over to damon and digs her thumbs into his eyes <sighs> gouging them out such a good move I mean, he's a vampire, so they'll grow back. But it's at that point where she tells him that I've got 400 years on you, little boy. I'll rip you limb from limb without blinking. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. I still don't know why your daughter wasn't this strong, but okay. That's what I'm saying! Anna should be tossing him around like a ragdoll. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jeremy has been online researching about vampires because he's, he's clearly zeroing in on the truth at that point. And later on, Pearl and Anna meet with Jenna, who is showing them the building that I believe belonged to Elena's father, Dr. Grayson Gilbert, which is now for sale. She tells Pearl that back in the day, it used to be an apothecary. She says one of those old-fashioned drugstore thingies, and without, miss without missing a beat, Pearl is like, an apothecary. <laughs> because I guess for her, this was like yesterday. She literally just woke up from running an apothecary, and then it was today. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they're they're conscious, right? While they're desiccated as vampires, I actually don't know much about desiccation beyond like it's extremely painful for a bit and then not anymore. They are conscious. I don't think the pain stops. I thought Stefan implied that they are no longer in pain. Elena asks that, and then he says, "At first, but no, not anymore." But later on, other instances of desiccation being brought up, it seems as though the pain is continuous you're just like sort of not that conscious anymore certainly that's how Catherine describes the situation to stefan in season two i think okay but i mean it's it's it's, it's a long-running tv show retcons are bound it's to the happen. vampire diaries yeah 
It's whatever. Yeah. It's fine. But these are the nitty gritties that we're here to get down to. So Pearl wants to purchase this building that I guess Jenna is in charge of. It's probably going to be inherited by Elena and Jeremy, but Jenna is obviously as as their guardian. Yes. And um, I, I think the reason why Pearl is so obsessed with this building is because it, it used to be hers. Like you said, um, she, she ran an apothecary, this apothecary. And Later on, at a few points throughout season one, Pearl mentions that, oh, you know, the reason why we're sticking around is because our land was taken from us. You know, they they stole our property when they locked all the tomb vampires away, thinking that they'd killed them. And she even she even mentions that the reason why the Lockwoods are so rich is that a lot of the property that they got was from the vampires in 1864. That's so Salem witch trials. Where it's like in the Salem Witch Trials, if you accuse someone of witchcraft and you manage to get them like arrested and tried and hanged or weighed down by stones or drowned or whatever choice they were making at that time to get rid of the quote unquote witch, you would get their land and their assets as the like victim of their witchcraft. And that's how a lot of people would now use that as a tool to get rich quick Mm. would be to accuse their neighbor of witchcraft have them killed and then take up their land and grow their net worth essentially so that's kind of interesting that that i'm sure it was intentional that that links back to like the burning of the vampires the rising of the founding families oh that's so much better than the comparison that i was worried they were trying to make i thought they were going for like a settler colonizer type thing and i was like I don't think any of you are indigenous, so that's not really a leg you have to stand on. <laughs> I was so worried. Yeah. No, that would be more concerning comparison, especially because, oh, it's so silly, but in season three, it's it's an episode where Rebecca decides she's just going to go to high school, I guess. Rick opens the class with talking about, like, the original inhabitants of Mystic Falls, the Native Americans, and Rebecca walks in and says, what about the Vikings? <laughs> and I that. go, what about the Vikings, Rebecca? They would still have been here second. What are you talking about? about it threw me so hard i was like i i bring it up because i'm like no please leave leave indigenous people alone please don't make any uh, allegories or illusions it's fine yeah we already we already have one vampire story that that does that we we don't need another one (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i i find it strange that pearl at least speaking for the tomb vampires i'm assuming that she's speaking for the rest of them who've decided to join up with her is speaking about how they want their land and property back because I thought a lot of these tomb vampires were citizens of Mystic Falls who had been turned by Catherine and her ilk. So I would have thought that, you know, them being turned, wouldn't they have family that stood to inherit that property anyway? Are they not related to the people living in this town? I mean, Pearl, for her part, isn't even from Mystic Falls. She only got there when Catherine did. She's hundreds of years old. And wasn't even in Mystic Falls for that long before she got it too. But I mean, these guys founded the town so they could do whatever they wanted, right? In a similar fashion to present day, they could just shake some hands, grease some wheels, fabricate whatever paperwork they needed to make to be like, well, that's ours now. Because your family member was like a um, an affront to nature and the safety of our town, we will repossess this item in the name of the town and then just take it for themselves corruption is as old as time or at least as old as euro society (laughs) 
Too much? Too hot? No, we no, can no, cut no, it. no. I mean, okay. I mean <laughs> it's true. The the tea is exceptionally good today, and it's got vervain in it, so uh, I'm here for it. <laughs> But uh, Anna, Anna later tells Jeremy that she she won't be moving away off the roll because her mother is going to be opening a business in town. And I mean, knowing what happens, I just think to myself, Anna and Pearl, why didn't you just leave? <laughs> you should have just. You left. had so it many opportunities to leave. You didn't even. You weren't even involved with anyone else's drama. You just wanted to live your life. You could have lived this life anywhere. I understand the need to be like, I'm reclaiming my standing. I've lost 150 odd years. I'm going to make a stand here in the presence of the descendants of the people who wronged me. But sometimes the, it's just not worth it. Yeah. It really isn't. Sometimes you've got to give up the fight. You're a 500-year-old vampire. I've got to assume you've moved before. I, I did wonder where, where Pearl and Anna come from. Because right, they are they're explicitly stated to be at least five centuries old, and from what I can tell, immigration of East Asians to the Americas would not yet have started at that point. So she's definitely moved at least once. I'm like, girl, you could start again. <laughs> she's assumedly moved across the continent, and then at some point when the journeys were being made to the American continents, hopped on that. You've got enough travel experience. Anna has been taking planes for at least 50 years now. You can yeah. figure it out. You could go anywhere you I'm want. Like, I'm like, this, this, this one horse town in Virginia that has one high school, one <laughs> grill and bar, one library. You could do so much better. Why are you here? I guess for the sake of... You could argue that it's like it's easier to be a vampire in a small town where nobody would be missed if they went missing. But I'd argue that living in a big city is easier because there's more people, especially in a city like New York. Yeah. Where it's like you go to New York, that's the best place to live because people are dying. It's, it's an awful thing to say, but people are dying every day just because of the sheer volume of people in a city like New York versus a Mystic Falls. Exactly. And it would be easier to stay in the same city and just avoid people who have noticed you aren't aging yet. Like, yeah, you know, just move to the next you live, borough. Live ten years in Brooklyn, then live the next decade yeah. in Queens. <laughs> like no yeah. one needs to know. Actually, I don't know how small New York is. I've never once been there. Neither have I. But I mean, it's 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 said to be, if not the biggest, definitely one of the biggest cities on earth. So I mean, you know. And hey, if she made it there, she could make it anywhere. So <laughs> frankly, it would have. <laughs> Jeremy tells Anna that he wants to do a report about vampires in Mystic Falls. I think it's at this point that he is now either suspecting or mostly sure that she's a vampire. And Anna's like, what? <laughs> like, I thought we were over this. Like, no, are you, are you still thinking about this? Which, like, girl, you vamp-faced in front of him at least three times at this point. It's insane you don't think he knows. <laughs> and you pushed him into this topic. I'm like, this is your own fault, Kanda. This boy told you that it was a metaphor for civil war tensions, and you were the one who was like, no, they're real, teehee. And they're like, what? Why do you believe that stuff? You're dumb. <laughs> but later on, she goes to the Gilbert house, and she's spending time with Jeremy and uh, Jeremy decides to test his theory and he's, he's chopping up some food and as Anna turns away, he cuts his hand deliberately and pretends it was an accident. He's like, ah, 
oh my hand and anna's like anna turns around <laughs> and like a like a shark in water immediately clocks the blood and looks like her her vamp instincts have suddenly been triggered she freezes in place and jeremy asks her to hand him a dish towel uh to to stem the flow, which I'm like, you, Jeremy, don't do that with the towel that we will need to use. So it's Go like upstairs and get some, get some toilet dishes. paper <laughs> or bandages. Get some gauze. Um, you live in a two-story house. There must be first aid somewhere. Like, you know, so Anna tells him that, no, she can't. She looks like she's too afraid to go near him. Maybe this is why we don't often see her feet. Maybe she just, she lacks self-control. She If she can't even walk towards him and just like hand him a dish towel. Mm. Um, and That's Jeremy weird. Jeremy plays it coy and he's like, What's the matter, Anna? You got a problem with blood? And she's like, Why no. doesn't she say yes to that? Why does she say no? I also wondered that's that. Your out. That, you that's say a, yes. that's a believable lie. People some people I'm do have squeamish about blood. blood. <laughs> <laughs> and then you walk out of the room. Insane choice from Anna. From mastermind Anna, that's a fumble of the ball. Because I've seen people pass out because of blood. She burned through all her brain cells uh, doing the mastermind plan to get her mom back. <laughs> she, was, she was tired. That's my excuse. Every time, uh, every time Anna has a shortcoming. She was tired. She was just trying her best. It was a bad day. She was at the end of her rope. It's okay. Uh, Jeremy walks towards her with the bloody hand extended, at which point I'm like, okay, Jeremy, if this was someone who had a problem with blood, you're, you're kind of being weird about it now. Like, this, you don't need to shove your bleeding palm really into someone's and, face. Ugh. At that point, she then realizes that, nah, this boy is definitely trying to play me. So she vamp speeds and, like, hurls them against the fridge and asks him what he's doing, showing her vampire face with the, the veiny eyes and the bloodshot sclera. And... Jeremy says, I knew it. He says he knew that she was a vampire and he offers her his hand and says, go for it. And she drinks from it, which I'm just like, why are y'all playing this like it's some sort of kinky moment? I, I have to say, um, <laughs> watching the episodes that I needed to for this deep dive, uh-huh. it, it, I, I was weirded out by the, all these vampire shows. Why is it that they always frame vampire feeding like it's this erotic thing i'm like it's okay sometimes if you want to make it that thing like it's fine whatever but it's almost like every time in true blood (laughs) in the vampire diaries in any of these shows when a vampire is biting someone the person on the receiving end looks like they're in this weird space between pain and pleasure and i'm like what is going on like in in vampire academy i'll allow it because the books explicitly state that some sort of chemical is released from a vampire's bite, uh, at least the to make it the euphoric, vampires. so you don't yes. get away. Some sort of like evolutionary trait, which I'm like, fine, okay. The predator makes the prey enjoy being fed off of whatever. But in all these other things, it's it's always like vague discomfort, but also like this sense of bliss. And I'm like, why? <laughs> I you could make the argument right that textually it's a similar thing to Vampire Academy, where it's like. For as much as it hurts, there is this sense of like euphoric sensation that comes to being fed on. But outside of the text too, and I'm I'm in no way like a, a fiction scholar or anything like that, but sexuality and that like carnal desire aspect of vampirism, it's inextricable from vampirism because I think vampirism itself is like this metaphor for sublimated sexuality. Vampires who only move in the night who exist outside of polite society, who are viewed as predatory, right? There is an, an inherent, like, 
there's an out of mode sexuality to it where it's like this isn't something that's quote unquote normal and so i think that when you're doing vampirism even in like a modern vampirism rather than a classical because you see it in the classical too you look at interview with a vampire which i very recently watched it is very sexual louis and lestat and just like any feeding that kind of goes on there's an aspect of sexuality to it there's an aspect of intimacy to the feed and i think that you can't separate the two because that's what it comes from you know i don't know if that makes any sense it does it does even in the physicality right you're biting someone's neck you're biting the inside of someone's wrist you're biting someone's hand like the act of biting someone in these intimate zones and sucking on them it's a very sexual gesture so it's like there really is no way to tackle that without acknowledging the intimacy mm. of it. I was going to say that in in the Vampire Diaries later on in the series, I think it's season four, when Elena is now a vampire, Damon says that sometimes vampires do feed off each other, but it's seen as a very intimate thing, like lovers do it. And Stefan is actually upset when he finds out that Damon has allowed Elena to feed off him because she's been struggling to keep any, yeah. anything else down. The beginning of the end. Well, we'll get to that in a in a <laughs> an episode centering on on those people. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll tuck that away for later. But yes, yes, that does. So it does loop back into the. Um, I do think that even with humans, even though I'm sure vampires, you know, view humans as prey, there is still because they're on a level to vampires in the sense of like sexuality is accessible in a similar way i do think it is still attached when it comes to feeding on humans but yeah that's like stuff for far smarter people than me to 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 opine you're pretty smart oh you just you, you just use the word you just use the word opine which i know some people are going to be like huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's all a ruse <laughs> the words come out because i want to sound smart and it works <laughs> like a politician <laughs> whatever weird stuff that jeremy and anna are into we're not judging <laughs> I'm them not, i'm not judging but jenna comes home jenna comes home and anna vamp speeds away so i mean you know if, if she's ashamed <laughs> later on jeremy finds her up in his bedroom and uh she berates him for his little stunt downstairs and says that she could have killed him uh if she'd lost control um but he tells her that you know she didn't which is a dumb answer but <laughs> teenage boy <laughs> jeremy's full of dumb answers it's okay anna asks him how he knew that she was a vampire and jeremy tells her that he knew a girl named vicky who acted strange after she was attacked by some quote-unquote animals and then jeremy noticed how her face changed when they kissed in a cemetery on the night that she ended up getting her mother out of the tomb despite having all his memories compelled away all the all the evidence that's come out since then has clearly been making him suspicious and this is this is before it's revealed that vicky is actually dead so jeremy still thinks vicky is out there somewhere mm -hmm. i think at this stage he believes that she did turn into a vampire and that's why he's so interested not purely because of the anna of it all but because he believes that anna is a doorway into this vampire world that Vicky, his first love, has become a part of, as yeah. far as he knows. Anna tells Jeremy not to tell anyone she's a vampire, and Jeremy's like, hmm, you know, who would I tell? <laughs> and who I'm like, would believe yeah, me? He, he has no friends. <laughs> he's like, and who would believe me? Who would I tell? <laughs> 
Um, and Jeremy asks her why she didn't kill him. And that's when she says to him that she's a sucker for guys like him. And he asks guys like what? And she says, lost, which harkens back to what you said about Ben, the washed up jock with no direction, who she turned into her minion. Mm-hmm. It should be noted, Jeremy is the third of her pseudo himbos. Jeremy <laughs> is big. He is technically big in this first season, although I don't think that was intentional on the show's part. He is supposed to be younger than everyone else on the show. But Stephen R. McQueen is an inexorably large person. He is taller than everyone on the cast. Eating all his veggies. Uh, (laughs) He is big and he is often kind, but he's not stupid. He's shown to be very smart when he, like, gets his act together and does his essay stuff, so... Smart enough to figure out that Anna was a vampire. Yeah, so he's put all that together. He's big and he's kind. That makes him a hunk on the himbo scale. So, Noah, just muscle. Ben, a jock. Jeremy, a hunk. No actual himbos in this, like, (laughs) lineup, but, like, almost encroaching. No actual himbos were harmed in the making. (laughs) (laughs) Or in the in the making of Anna's plans. No, <laughs> no himbos, himbos were harmed in this mastermind plan. <laughs> Jeremy tells her that the main reason why he confronted her with his knowledge of her vampirism is because he wants her to turn him to. How, <sighs> Jeremy. We pick up right away in Let the Right One In. Anna is still in Jeremy's room and he's trying to convince her to turn him. She says no. <laughs> and I noticed that that's a running thing in... in vampire mythos that vampires are often very picky and precious with whom they turn Mm. later on in in the episode Anna gives jeremy a list of reasons that i'll get into when i cover that scene but it it seems as though unless a vampire needs a minion they almost only turn people who they truly deeply care about and anybody else who tries to get them to do that it's almost like an offensive question like who are you to presume that I would gift you with eternal life. I was, yeah, it's a gift of eternity. It's, it's. I mean, later on, it becomes a little bit, but it's not a small thing. It's like mm. you would only give to. Oh, it has such parallels with the Silas and Tessa of it all, which is a, a ripe topic for later. But like, Ooh, to yes. give someone this, it could only be someone that you care about with every fiber of your being. Or someone you intend to use and then dispose so that that eternity isn't an issue. But uh, Anna leaves Jeremy's room, vamp speeding out of the window. And Elena pops in to check in on him because she doesn't want to be seen. I have to always wonder, <laughs> I don't know why, my brain notices weird things sometimes. But when Jeremy turns to see where Anna has gone, the window is only like half open. And I'm like, she she would have had to dive through the window at like a, a horizontal angle in order to get through there. She Olympic swimmers dove out of there. <laughs> Back at the house, the farm, Skiven's house, where the other tomb vampires are staying, Anna tells Pearl that she's going out to get some blood. Blood bags, I assume. Frederick wants to go with her, but Pearl tells her, no, 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 you're, you're, you're not allowed to leave. You have to stay. So Anna is not just going out to get blood. She goes to meet Jeremy at <laughs> three guesses where, because there are only three options. Let's see. It's not the woods. It's <laughs> not, the woods. not the school. It's not the school. <laughs> it's gotta be, ding, 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 the Mystic Grill. <laughs> yes, they're at the Mystic Grill where they, they continue their conversation where Jeremy's trying to convince her that it would be a good idea to turn him. She tells him no. And when she brings up her mother, Jeremy asks, because he's never 
he's never interacted with Pearl, he asks if her mother knows she's a vampire. And Anna tells him that the fact that you think you could keep something like that a secret from your family just proves that you're not ready for this. And I mean, yeah, I guess we don't know any... I mean, it's funny because at the start of season, for most of season two, Caroline keeps her vampirism a secret from her mother. Quite successfully. Quite <laughs> yes. successfully. And that is a that is a testament to Caroline as a person because she's so organized and so meticulous that she said these two halves of my life will not intersect. And mm. truly only when the situation was dire enough because it's way at the end of season two. When her mom finds out, she raises her mom's memory. And then it's good. Yes. And the second <laughs> yes. time she finds out, she's not able to do so. Or she chooses not to do so. Because she's like, I don't want to have to hide anymore. Mm. So I think Caroline could have kept it going forever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if, she had, if she hadn't roused Mrs. Lockwood's suspicions, I might, I might agree. But I mean, if someone who's not even your parent just notices that, hmm... <laughs> Hmm. Something a bit off about this girl. What's going on there? What's that about? Jeremy tells her that, oh, not ready is is a step up from no. And Anna tells him that, yeah, it's still a million steps down from maybe. <laughs> not even yes, <laughs> but maybe. <laughs> oh, I love Anna. She's great. She fiddles with Jeremy's vervain bracelet, which at that point, he doesn't know what that is. No. Uh, it's just a gift that Elena has given to him. I'm assuming Anna is tattooed, not touching the vervain parts. And Jeremy offers to give it to her uh, since she likes it. And knowing what I know, knowing that at this stage, Jeremy is still very in love with Vicky, Vicky who he thinks is alive and just not around. I got to be like, Jeremy, you are also playing this girl. You're being very flirty. You're giving her gift. Like, well, you're, you're offering to give her a gift. I'm just like, hmm, hmm, hmm. But it's okay. She, she was going to feed you to her mom. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It all balances out. We talked about this last episode. She plays him. He plays her. Eventually, they rise to an even playing field, and it's all good. <laughs> you can see that Anna is starting to care about Jeremy because she clearly knows that it's Vervain, and she knows that Elena and company have known about vampires longer than Jeremy. So I guess she deduces that Elena must have given this to Jeremy to protect him. So when he offers to give it to her, she says, nah, you can keep it. It, it looks good on you because clearly she, she knows the town is now crawling with vampires and she doesn't want him to be subject to compulsion. And he will get himself killed. She, is, she has realized that. <laughs> he is in <a> walking <laughs> danger. Also, he's the Gilbert. And we know how the tomb vampires feel about the founding families. Mm -hmm. Just um, obsessed with the descendants of these people, even though most of them don't even know vampires are real. But at that point, Pearl shows up in the grill and Anna immediately walks away from Jeremy like, whoops. So she's like, so yeah, um, yeah, that's all you need to know for your thesis. And I'll talk to you later. Zoop out literally what she says and at first i was like you could have just walked away from it why are you faking this convo and then i was like oh yeah your mom has super hearing okay no, yeah I, I she, it would be weird if you <laughs> stepped off and then jeremy was like anna anna and then draws all attention see she thinks three steps ahead anna smart girl she's not tired anymore she's she's smart again <laughs> she had she she fed on the way into the grill she came in with a clear head <laughs> she discreetly texts jeremy um as she walks to her mother explaining that her mom is there and as the two of them leave the restaurant, they run into Mayor Lockwood and Tyler. And he's, he speaks to her because I think a storm is brewing outside. 
it's 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 that same storm, the the storm that unearths Vicky's body. <laughs> he he warns them uh, against going outside and invites them to join him for dinner, which Tyler doesn't look pleased with. Yeah, he thinks his dad is trying to hit on Pearl. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which I'm like, Pearl is gorgeous. Kelly Hugh is gorgeous. I can see why Tyler would think his dad was 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 doing that if if he's got a track record that's against him or something. Um, but per- Pearl is disinterested until she hears that he's a Lockwood, and she realizes that oh, you're those Lockwoods. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> the ones who own all the land stolen from me and my friends mm-hmm. when you tried to kill us. Ah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Those Pearl, Lockwoods. Pearl, Let's have a chat. Pearl decides she wants a she wants a taste of that generational wealth, <laughs> 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 influence, and then she says, "You know what? Maybe maybe I do have some time. We could we could sit down and talk." And she begins to speak to Mayor Lockwood about um, the property that she's hoping to purchase in town, while Anna and Jeremy discreetly exchange texts from across the room. Unfortunately, Anna is not discreet enough, and Pearl notices. That she's, she keeps looking up at Jeremy. When you've spent 500 years with your mother, I mean, you really <laughs> gotta glean that she's gonna figure you out. She's you gonna know, see what you're doing. She was out of practice because her mother had been gone for over a century, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And and there weren't phones last time they were around. She'd never had to hide texting, so... Yeah, she'd just have to make sure she's not seen writing a letter to Jedediah or something. <laughs> Romantic letter by candlelight. So... Pearl asks Mayor Lockwood who the boy over there is, and Mayor Lockwood tells her, oh, it's Jeremy Gilbert. I don't know why he would have needed to say Jeremy's full name. <laughs> well, I guess because she says she's just moved to town, right? And they're like these founding family types who take pride in the family names. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So Anna goes to the bathroom, and her mother follows her in and confronts her. Tells her that, oh, you've been you've been messing around with the Gilbert boy? Is that, is that where you've, you've been all this time? Is that where you are when you're, when you're not around? And she reminds Reminds Anna that Jeremy's family, his ancestors, are the reason that she was in that tomb. Which I'm like, true, but how? What, what does that have to do with Jeremy? Like, why is he in it? He's a Gilbert. He's just as bad. It's that trauma. She was in that place for 150 years. I can understand being like, we don't go near those people. They put us in that situation. Also, she's got like personal trauma of the yes. fact that. Oh, because of the Jonathan. Jonathan Gilbert was uh, the man that she loved and she thought loved her. And now she's seeing her daughter fall for his descendant. It's like a direct mirror to her own situation that ended yes. horribly. So she's like, I don't want you ending up in the same crock of shit that I did. Stay away from that kid. She does tell Anna that as soon as he realizes what you are, he'll turn against you. But Anna tells her that, huh, girl, Jeremy already knows I'm a vampire. And Pearl is like... <laughs> what <laughs> she's she's so flabbergasted she's like in in what universe would my child choose to expose herself to these people again so she's like what and then anna's like he likes it saying that he he likes the fact that she's a vampire and, and she says he likes me and then pearl slaps her across the face that old school parenting you know i'm like you know what this is literally a mother from the 19th century not even the 19th the 14th oh yeah from before then i just mean the last time she was she was around sure like, sure yeah, sure yes. she's she's hundreds of years old more than willing to slap her child if she thinks that she's 
at his silly. The concept of like, ooh, we don't do a corporal punishment to our children anymore. No. She doesn't. <laughs> What's that? Also, they're vampires. I expected there to be some sort of further confrontation between the two of them, but the ne- in the next scene, they're leaving the grill together. However, Anna is clearly pissed off enough at her mother that that is the deciding vote. She texts Jeremy as she's leaving that, I'll do it. She texts him that she'll turn him. Despite all her hesitance, I guess now she's feeling rebellious and she's like, my mother's not going to tell me what I can and cannot do. I'll make a vampire just to spite you. (laughs) Oh man, the age old question, does becoming a vampire freeze you at the age you die? Seemingly, right? Because I mean, if if you're going to fall for a teenage boy, I'm assuming that your brain hasn't matured. And you're going to react in a sense of, my mom can't tell me what to do and make an impulsive choice. It feels very 1516, even though you're 500 years old. <laughs> Meanwhile, in that episode, Damon and Stefan have been fighting the tomb vampires who had kidnapped Stefan to torture him. While Elena manages to get Stefan out of the house, Damon and Alaric are trapped inside. They've managed to kill all of the tomb vampires who were in the house, but some of the others are outside and have showed up and have basically blocked their exit. So they're, they've barricaded themselves inside. It looks like there's no way out. And then finally, Pearl and Anna return home. (laughs) And Pearl, either because they respect or fear her so much, is immediately able to de-escalate the situation. Damon explains to her that the only reason they're there and the only reason they've killed some of her allies is because they were attacked first. And Pearl apologizes and tells them that that wasn't supposed to happen. Uh, She had no intentions of violence. And that's where they leave it. Later on, when the storm has unearthed Vicky Donovan's body, Mayor Lockwood gets a call. He's still at the restaurant with Tyler. And Jeremy is also still at the restaurant. Mayor Lockwood gets a call informing him what has happened. And (laughs) the scene is so weird because Tyler's dad specifically says, okay, he's on the phone with someone. He's like, okay, we'll we'll just try to keep out of the press for now. And he gets up to go and he summons Tyler. Tyler's chatting up some girl. And when his dad tells him to leave, he's obviously reluctant to go. He's like, I'm still eating my burger. And I'm like, yeah, sure, Tyler. I'm sure it's the burger that you're interested in. <laughs> That's why you won't go. <laughs> and, then, and then Mayor Lockwood tells him at normal speaking volume, at least with an earshot of this girl who's sitting right next to Tyler, tells him that Vicky Donovan has been found. Her body has been discovered in the woods and Jeremy overhears this and Jeremy asks him, wait, they found Vicky. And he's like, yeah, he confirms that Vicky is dead. And I'm like, didn't you just say you were trying to keep this out of the press? Don't tell anyone. You've now told, you've now told (laughs) not only your son, who isn't on the town council yet, and to your knowledge knows nothing about vampires, but you've now told Jeremy and you've told whoever this girl is sitting (laughs) Also, surely he must have known they both were like close to Vicky. He must know at the very least that Tyler was dating Vicky. And there's a scene in season one where he breaks them up when they're fighting over her. And then he takes them aside to like make them cockfight in a very weird hyper-masculine like show of force as Tyler's dad. So he must know that they cared for Vicky. It seems not just irresponsible to share this information from a town council point of view, but insensitive as a parent and as just like an adult in the area to tell both these boys that Vicky has been dead without like priming them for the situation, without taking them to a safe place to like process this. I mean, I'm not going to expect sensitivity from Mayor Richard Lockwood. Oh, Uh, God, no. (laughs) He wasn't wasn't the best parent. That man has two personality traits. It's angry and incompetent. (laughs) (laughs) So Jeremy now knows that Vicky is dead. She's not just missing. She's not maybe a vampire. She is deceased. And 
he goes home and finds Anna waiting for him in his room. I don't know whether she was going to turn him right there or whether she was just coming to talk and flirt some more. I don't know. She was like, we're doing this tonight. Before my mom can stop I'm going to bring you home to mother tomorrow when you wake up a vampire and be like, there, I did it. Jeremy is visibly upset and he tells Anna that his friend, as he's been describing her, his friend Vicky, she's been found dead. And because of the very obvious devastation on his face, Anna finally realizes that this was never a friend. You've been in love with this person. That is where your obsession with vampirism came from. That is why you suddenly decided you wanted to be friends with me when you'd been brushing me off pretty much, like, like really, really obviously showing me you weren't interested. <laughs> and all of a sudden it, it changed and you liked me. And then Anna looks really hurt and she says, oh, that's why you wanted to become a vampire. You wanted to be with her. And Jeremy hesitates and apologizes but before he can really say anything else she vamp speeds out the window she olympic dives out of that window <laughs> she swan jumps <laughs> for a time she and jeremy actually don't speak because she avoids him. yeah it sucks uh, the next time we see her is in the episode miss mystic falls where she comes to the salvatore house on behalf of pearl to apologize to damon for what the two vampires had done to stefan I love that Pearl refuses to go by herself. She's like, <laughs> "Oh no, I would not, Dean. I am never She's like, wrong. I'm going to send my Jeez. child. <laughs> Truly, an old school parent." He also tells Damon that after that incident, all of the two vampires who were living with her and her mother have left. That it's just them and Harper. I love that Harper remains very loyal to Pearl and Anna. Uh, it's 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 really sad that we really don't get to learn much about him. All we know is that he is kindly and that he was a soldier. I have to ass- hope a Union soldier, not a Confederate, because that raises some concerning implications. I think he might have been, because I, I know previously you and I have discussed that we weren't sure whether he was from the town or whether he came from out of town. There's nothing conclusive on exactly how old he was when he turned, but... It's possible that either Pearl was out of town when she turned him, or maybe he came with Pearl and Anna and Catherine and Emily when they came to town. Because later on, he he tells Pearl that when, when Pearl is now over Mystic Falls, he tells Pearl that this was never my home. So I'm assuming if, if you make that statement, you aren't from here. Frankly, it's kind of crazy that you stuck around this long. Harper in that house, it's unfortunate that like the first interaction when he comes out of that tomb is with this jogger right that you mentioned that he eventually you know drinks of all his blood because he's starving but the interaction that they have the jogger's like jesus you look a mess what's wrong where are you coming from can i help you and like harper addresses him as sir and is surprised that he's being nice to him and it's very clear the implication that he was an enslaved man or just a black man living in Virginia in the 1860s. I truly, he's just like par for the course. Oh, wow, a white man being nice to me. But when he's with the tomb vampires, like he's clearly one, the most loyal to Pearl and two, just like it could have easily been a thing where his subservience was a continuation of his like enslavement time. And it could still be argued that that's the case because really he's just like, innately loyal to pearl and that's about as much as we know about him Mm. which sucks but like it's great that the loyalty to pearl is because of her desire to 
get them acclimated to society, her desire to see them thrive in present day. And it's great that Pearl treats him with respect, but like puts him on a level with her and Anna, right? It's not a sense where she's like, Harper, who works for me? It's like, let's carry these bags out so we can leave and start our yes. new life. So I do appreciate that. Also, I mean, she's a woman of color, so the optics just look way better. <laughs> exactly. It's I'm far more accepting of like it, Harper like runs for, for Pearl rather than like Harper runs for Catherine, for example. Yeah. And it's like you have to hope that Pearl turned him because she as a again, I don't understand the politics of that time well enough to know where the standing was of East Asian people. But like I have to assume there was some sense of empathy in that she turned him because he died in a time where everything was said against him yeah that's just like the narrative i've spun in my head again because we get nothing of harper but i have to assume that there was a sense of camaraderie there as people of color in confederate era mystic falls (laughs) i mean i don't i'm not up to speed with how chinese americans were being treated in virginia in the Civil War era, but right. everyone seems to be polite to Pearl, or at least we see her interact with Jonathan, and he seems to have no They think she's her. gorgeous, they understand that she's just like besties with Catherine, nobody's like causing any ruckus about it. But as we know, like it's not just race, right? There's class, and so these things intersect. So it's like, if you're a person of color, but you're rich enough, maybe you can largely kind of rise a little bit above what would have been thrown at you if you were just the average Mm. Joe person of color. Like she was running her own business, yeah. Right. She had capital. She rubbed shoulders with nobles. It's like, who would dare question her when she has these aspects to her in the society? Also, she could just compel them. I I, I gotta figure that would have been useful too. True. Just make everyone be chill. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> why didn't the vampires stop slavery because they were all confederates <laughs> no! or if they weren't like Catherine, they just they just didn't care <laughs> but during the conversation where anna tells damon that all the tomb vampires have left damon is suspicious because he's already been told by the town council that a lot of blood bags have been going missing from blood banks nearby and this ties into Stefan, who is going through some some intense cravings. Yeah, his point. human blood era. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 binging on the blood. But later on at the founders ball, yes, another one, another founders party. <laughs> <laughs> Never enough founders ball. Every day founders ball. Take a shot every time there's some historical celebration in the town. A reenactment. <laughs> a 19th century dance. At the Founders Day Ball, where Anna is looking truly swanky, she runs into Damon. And Damon tells her that John Gilbert, not Jonathan Gilbert, the ancestor, but John Gilbert, uncle slash biological father to Elena, (laughs) is looking for something that he believes Pearl has. And meanwhile, John is speaking with Jeremy, who tells him that uh, he read their ancestor's journal. John tells Jeremy that Jonathan was crazy <laughs> and <laughs> that nothing in nothing in there was true. I, I guess at this point he's trying to steer Jeremy away from the truth. I don't know whether there's like a an age limit for being allowed to join the town council and know the secrets. I, I get the sense that he wanted to like sort of groom him a little bit before exposing him to all the secrets. Like at that moment when John Gilbert, the younger, was in town, 
he was trying to sort out one all the tomb vampire stuff and two he was linked to the isabel catherine stuff so he probably wanted to keep jeremy out of harm's way and then at some point in the future when he got out from under maybe bring him into it i mean we do see that the town council welcomes damon into their midst when they think that he's human but they don't include stefan Stefan is, you know, his his younger brother who he's, it's, it's, it's the minor that he cares for. So Damon's allowed to know everything, but Stefan isn't. And I'm like, Damon goes home from every meeting and tells Stefan exactly what you guys have said. His brother is 162. So Jeremy sees Anna from across the room and he excuses himself from Uncle John to go talk to her. But Anna is still feeling icy because she's like, you used me to be with another woman. Because previously when they were discussing turning people, she tells Jeremy, I think she lists the reasons that, that someone would turn a vampire is that they need someone to do their dirty work, which is obviously what she had done to Ben. Reason number two she gives is boredom, which is interestingly what Damon said was the reason he turned Vicky. Yeah. I can't remember what the third reason was. There was definitely a third reason. I just don't remember it. But the fourth reason she gives is that you love someone so much that you want to spend eternity with them, which is presumably how she was starting to feel about Jeremy fueled a bit by anger at her mother but um that's why she feels so betrayed that jeremy was gonna use her to go and be immortal with someone else when she gave him this gift to be with her which as as you say is like a foreshadowing for of the, the tessa silas amara situation oh god <laughs> but Jer- jeremy rightfully points out that hey yeah I, I i did manipulate you a little bit but is it any worse than you pretending to be my friend so that you could feed me to your mom after <laughs> Pumping me for information. <laughs> what's the what's the equivalent? Not not enemies to lovers. I don't manipulators to lovers. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> New trope just hit. Babe, wake up! A second trope just hit the tower. Man- manipulators to lovers. <laughs> Anna is surprised that Jeremy knows about how she was using him to get the tomb open, and she was going to feed him to his mother and all that. And Jeremy tells her, "Nah, I know all of that. I read it in, in Elena's journal." He doesn't remember it, and I, I think I think you have asked this before about Vicky. Does Jeremy ever get his memories of Vicky back? And watching the episodes that I watched to gather information on Anna, I see that he doesn't, because by season three, when he discusses Vicky with Matt, he states that he doesn't remember. He, he tells Matt his memories were taken away. He does not recall the last time he saw her, which would have been when she bit him, and then she fed off Elena, and then Stevan staked her through the back. So, so yeah. Jer- Jeremy never ever gets his memories of Vicky back. He does say, I don't know if it's in this one or if it's in the one you're talking about where he speaks to Matt, where he says he's actually glad that he doesn't have the memory of that incident. I think it's in this one. I think he tells Anna that. I'm not sure when exactly, but he he tells Anna. And I think this is, this. it, it might have been earlier on when Anna was still having misgivings of how this boy would perceive her vampirism and if he'd be okay with it. But he, he tells Anna that, I don't want to remember Vicky in that way. And then Anna asks, oh, what, as a monster? And then he says, no, as somebody who wanted to hurt me. I like that interaction. I don't know what it was about it that just like kind of warmed me a little bit of just like, yes, we need to get reconciliation. I like some reconciliation amongst people who have like, it just, I really wanted them to work. They were they were sweet together. In the next appearance that Anna makes is in the episode Blood Brothers, where Jeremy is walking around school with no friends because he has none. And then <laughs> Anna appears and she shows him that she's picked up a class schedule and she's enrolled at the school. And Jeremy asks her, asks her the age-old question that everyone asks in these vampire teen dramas, that he's like, 
why would you want to go to high school? Baffling. You are an immortal, super-powered being who can do whatever you want, who has done this countless times before. Why? Why would you be here? <laughs> but Anna replies, isn't it obvious that she wants to spend time with him? And, and they kiss. It's really sweet. I do like them together. But uh, later in the episode, Jeremy and Anna are in his room, and they're talking about how Pearl had been in love with his ancestor, Jonathan the Elder, who betrayed her, and how now his uncle John wants the device that Pearl has at this point given to Damon. And John had mentioned to Jeremy that there were more Gilbert journals, more journals written by Jonathan the Elder, and Jeremy suspects that that's how Uncle John knows so much about the Gilbert history. Uh, Anna seems to be uncomfortable with this conversation, and she says she doesn't want to discuss the past and that them digging around with the stuff could get them both in a lot of trouble. And Jeremy assures her that he wouldn't say anything to John, but Anna tells him that if her uncle finds out, if his uncle finds out about her, he will definitely want to get rid of her. He, if, if he already knows, which I think, I think he does. I don't know if he knows that she's dating Jeremy at that point, but he does know who she and Pearl are in terms of being vampires from 1864 times. And she says that he wants both of them dead. Yeah. And Jeremy says, oh, you don't know that. Which I'm like, Jeremy, Jeremy. I guess you, you haven't really been in the loop. There's only so much you could glean from a layman's diary. <laughs> and it is, it's the thing we were talking about last episode about like keeping people in the dark. They always argue that that keeps them safe. But truly, when you're not armed with the information you need to meet, you make stupid decisions like this. <laughs> Jeremy going, no, we'll be fine. Because he doesn't know his uncle is like the vampire hunter right now who is causing Problems. The man in Mystic Falls who hates vampires the most. After she calls his uncle a hater, Jeremy points out that he isn't a hater. He he is like, I'm not like them. <laughs> Sorry about my bigoted family, but I'm not like them. Pearl. There's a lot that's been going on in town. Like I said, I don't know why these people were hanging around after they got out of the tomb. But that conversation she has with Jonathan where he, he hurts her feelings enough is what makes her decide, you know what, I am done with this town. <laughs> Screw the Gilberts, screw Mystic Falls. <laughs> this is not worth it. There's no upside to living here. She, in, in that moment, she decides she's going to get the hell out of Dodge. Anna comes home to find her mother Pearl is in the midst of literally packing their bags. I assume Harper is in the house somewhere doing something. Off screen. Actually, less, less screen time than I remembered him having. I've got to say, I, for me, Harper was such a significant character, I was surprised. He really is only there in that episode where they're torturing Stefan, trying to like get people to be like, listen, Miss Pearl said we've got to do A, B, and C. We should trust her and respect her wishes. And everybody's been like... Screw you, Harper, you lap dog. <laughs> takes him to the side. And then um, after that, it really is just here is where we see him again. Alas, Harper, we hardly knew you. Anna sees her mother packing her bags. Pearl tells her, I need you to pack your things. We're leaving. And Anna, who obviously now at this point is fully in love with Jeremy Gilbert, um, is like, I want to stay. And Pearl is like, at this point, she's just exasperated with her daughter. She doesn't even look angry. She just looks tired. And she's like, is this about Jeremy Gilbert? <laughs> <laughs> After having like, just come from that meeting with John, she must just be like, I'm tired of Gilbert men <laughs> infringing on my life. 
she's thinking to herself, you know what? It was it was a conversation with a Gilbert man that got me stuck in that tube in the first place. I should have just run away. <laughs> when Anna asks Pearl why she wants to leave, Pearl rightfully says something that I don't know why she wasn't thinking of this the whole time, but she rightfully says, it was wrong of me to think that we could build a life here. Too many people here know the truth and there's too much history. And I'm like, exactly. Why be in this town where every 10th person is aware vampires exist and hates them? <laughs> On principle, like, you never should have stayed, Well, You could have been anywhere. It's just uh, pride. It truly was just pride and, like, trying to stick it to people who were long dead. I understand it, but also I wish, I wish you hadn't. And it's funny that Catherine got her stuck in that tomb and managed to get away, but... Pearl doesn't even Pearl doesn't even care enough to wonder where Catherine is right now. She doesn't say anything about going to look for Catherine or getting revenge on Catherine. In fact, she she criticizes the other tomb vampires for wanting revenge on the founding families in the first place. She's like, I'm just here to get my business back and to just live here happily. I don't want to hurt anybody. And I'm like, oh, girl, you could have you could have not hurt anybody from New York. And or any other place. <laughs> you could have world. opened your apothecary in New York. They love that shit. In the gentrified parts of New York, you just show up selling new age <laughs> crystals, selling little elixirs and you tinctures. Know. You would have made a killing. <laughs> Come now. All of the theater theater nerds who go to New York to make it big on Broadway. <laughs> they would walk it. past your store Do and you have go some in. witch hazel? <laughs> when Anna is accused of only wanting to stay for Jeremy, she denies it and says, no, it's not about Jeremy. It's about me finally getting to build a life for myself. And it reminds me of an earlier conversation she had had with her mother when, when they had first brought up the, the Jeremy Gilbert situation. When her mother tells her about Jeremy and that, oh, you know, he's gonna he's gonna turn against you. She actually in that scene also forbids Anna to see him again. Anna says, I've been on my own for a while now. I do what I want. Yeah. <laughs> Where I'm like, you gotta hand it to her. It's like, yes, you might be frozen in your teens and your vampire mom is gonna be a part of your life forever. <laughs> but it's been 145 years. It's and been, been so long. She's lived so much life well, not more than... Well, no, more than you, because if they're approximately the same age and now she's got a hundred years on you, like, she's lived so long on her own, it's almost laughable to sort of try and reestablish the same dynamic you had before. You've got to start fresh. So even though she's definitely lying and Jeremy's definitely <laughs> the reason she wants to stay, she, she makes a point by saying she wants to build a life for herself. I'm like, I assume she's been with her mother the whole time until she was entombed. Um, you, you you gotta start feeling like you want to leave the nest at some point, especially if this woman is trying to control you and dictate who you date. But to her credit, Pearl says to her, I'm not gonna force you. I can't make the decision for you. You're welcome to stay, but I'm ahead up. Yeah. And in a moment that, knowing you, I was like, oh, Sandile will love this because you've, you've said before that you prefer familial bonds <laughs> to romantic bonds. Hugely. You said it about, about Matt and Vicky in mm -hmm. the Vicky episode, preferring his love for Vicky over Jeremy's love for Vicky. So later on, after this confrontation with her mother, where her mother assures her it's too dangerous to stay and that's why she's leaving. But if Anna wants to stay, she can stay. Anna actually does choose her mother and not Jeremy. She... She goes back to Jeremy in the middle of the night and she's lying on his bed and he wakes up because he senses her there and she apologizes for waking him and Jeremy says, no, you only woke me halfway. So he's still kind of out of it. He's still kind of drowsy. She was clearly going to tell him that she was leaving, mm. but I think in that moment, he just looks so sweet and peaceful sleeping there that she doesn't want to 
She doesn't want to ruin the vibe. Don't break his heart. Also, I mean, isn't isn't this post-coital bliss? Because no. they hooked up earlier that day. <laughs> oh, <no>. Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy is asleep. He's tired. She's a vampire. She tired him out. So she seems like she's about to try and say something, but he basically falls back asleep. So she just she tearfully just whispers goodbye. And then she leaves again out that same way. Olympic window. dive. She did a backward she's, dive this time to shake it up. She's perfected. She's perfected her exit. <laughs> she doesn't even need to look at the window anymore. She knows where it is. <laughs> she An knows the instinct. space of his room. She just throws her body and she knows she'll pass through easily because <laughs> she's done it so many times. Later on, we cut back to Pearl in heartbreaking scene. Awful, awful times. Pearl has finished packing her bags. I assume she's gonna go downstairs and load them in a vehicle of some sort. And then we see Harper. King. Pearl then says to Harper, you know, you don't have to come with us if you don't want to, which I thought was sweet. Mm. It, it truly showed she didn't think of Harper as some black. Mm-hmm. He was just like a like a surrogate son to her. Respect <laughs> well, like a, all like a... around. She told both her kids, listen, I'm not gonna drag you along with me. You're free to make your choices. I free you from my nest. That's when Harper tells her that, uh, Miss Pearl, this was never my home. I was just a soldier left to die on a battlefield. So we know that Pearl turned him because he says, you you saved me. And we know that he was a soldier of some sort and he doesn't consider Mystic Falls his home. Various interpretations of what that could mean. Pearl, Pearl seems genuinely touched by his loyalty. And then she says, let me take those. And she picks up the bags that he had been handling and she goes to open the door and immediately a stake is shot from someone outside the door into her sternum and she's killed. She falls back into Harper's arms (sighs) and the scene ends there. A little while later, Anna returns home, having said goodbye to Jeremy and she announces I'm back. And as she walks in, she sees Harper's body lying dead in the doorway he's been killed off screen screen and pearl lying further inside the house and oh my gosh the the cry of anguish that she i cried is so sad i cried rewatching it it was so sad i I truly was just when she says mama i i couldn't i was like no no i have to close this i'm gonna start bawling it's so gut-wrenching it's gut-wrenching that's the word for it and again we talked about this in the john episode the test episode i just it fills me with such fury and such truly for john truly hatred (laughs) i i had i had forgotten my beef with john but watching that i was like you know what You know what, John? I don't care that you gave your life force to save Elena at the end of season two. She ended up dying and becoming a vampire later on anyway. So what does it matter? It meant nothing. You killed Pearl. And I mean, I know this isn't a John-centric episode, but I have to point out the true hypocrisy of John feeling that Pearl and Anna and by extension Harper, three of the vampires who really hadn't done anyone harm, Harper's Mm. instinctual feeding like notwithstanding of this like unshakable evil like yes that they are intrinsically evil and yet he is willing to work with isabel who actually is evil who threatened to hurt jeremy who is actively doing (laughs) bad things (laughs) who he points out he can see being a vampire has changed her he tells jeremy that vampires are intrinsically evil and yet in i think possibly the same episode he says to isabel i know that the old you is still in there somewhere i'm like yeah why is this woman your blind spot after which by the way she beats him the hell up (laughs) (laughs) he's like i know you're still in there my isabel from when we were young and then she compels these two people to just kick the shit out of him but yeah anna anna sobs and 
cries and she begs her mother not to leave her again. And I'm like, oh, imagine <laughs> waiting 145 years planning and failing several times and having to come up with a plan B to get your mom back and you get her back and in a month she's dead. Taken from you by the very same people who took her from you in the first place. A man with the same so name. Furious. <laughs> the Jonathan Gilbert took her mother twice. I can't. Oh, and I just, I get so sad because I'm like, she was on her way out, John. You could have let her go. You could have she let her was... go. She wouldn't have touched a single hair on anyone in town. If John had been like an hour and a half late, he never would have seen Pearl again. She would have never bothered him. She would have never found her, frankly. Oh, it's just, it's so sad. It's so sad that she, she clearly sensed and it's funny because in 1864, she also had a sense that we need to go, Catherine. Like, these people don't know I'm a vampire, but they've been having me silver vein. There's too many vampires around who are attacking people and making our presence known. We need to leave, Catherine. And Catherine was like, no, I think it's fine. Cool. We'll leave later. Don't, don't worry, worry about it. I know what I'm doing. And then decades later, once again, she senses just a little too late that mm, it's getting hot in here. I, maybe I should dip. Like a day earlier and she would have survived. I will always be sad that Pearl dies so soon. In the, I think it's the next episode, Isabel. We don't see much of Anna. Jeremy spends the episode wondering where she is. But it's only towards the end that he runs into her finally. And she tells him that her mother is dead. I guess she's been hiding or mourning or I, I don't know, just processing the shock that I imagine she must be going through. Because you got to remember, vampires have heightened emotions as well. Yeah. So yeah. So the grief whenever must she's be feeling, like, it maxed out. Yeah, up to up to eleven. And unlike humans, you know, being immortal, this is a, a parent-child relationship like what she and Pearl had. It's one that you assume was going to last forever. She wouldn't have been worried that, you know, one day my mother will die of old age, at least, if nothing else gets her. And yeah, I think she was hiding at, from John Gilbert because it's apparent now that he's like taking vampires out. So I have to imagine she's been like hiding out, mm. making sure to not be found by him. But um, she, she tells Jeremy that she knows she shouldn't be at the Gilbert House of all places. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, tired. Why would you be here? She's grieving. She's but, uh, exhausted. She's <laughs> It's she's fair. not thinking straight. She's been up all night crying. She's tired. Um, <laughs> no, but she tells Jeremy that she, she has nowhere else to go. And he, he hugs her and comforts her. In the final episode <laughs> of season one. Founders Day, baby. At the Founders Day parade, Jeremy's getting ready. And Anna appears to him and he tells her that he feels awful about her mother's death and that he's worried about her. In my head, I'm always like, I'm, I pretend that they mention Harper. <laughs> Every time Pearl is brought up, I'm like, and Harper. I didn't want to mention it because we were talking about a very sad and powerful grief moment. But like, she steps past She steps. To she steps over his corpse. <laughs> to go cry over her mom. And it's like, damn, not even a little cheek touch. Not even a little shoulder tap. Damn. Harper really meant nothing to you. I understand her running to her mother first, but it is funny that Harper, she's like, oh, that guy. But mom, <laughs> she's like, too bad about what's his face. Black people in Vampire Diaries, you know how it goes. But Jeremy irritates me in this scene because Anna speaks about how she is certain that Uncle John is the one who killed her mother. Which is the only logical explanation. Jeremy's like, what makes you think it was him? <laughs> and at this point, he must know, right? He must know. Surely Elena... No, he read Elena's diary before John Gilbert showed up. So, but still, surely you must know. I mean, he knows that John knows vampires exist. He knows that John doesn't like them. 
at least according to Anna, he's a hater. I would understand if Jeremy had a good relationship with John and he doesn't want to believe that John would be capable of doing something terrible, but I'm like, as Jenna says, no one likes John. <laughs> Not a single person who encounters John is a fan of him. Literally nobody else would have done this. <laughs> like, who else could it be? And Jeremy, still strangely, starts to play devil's advocate where he's like, I'm sorry, it's just, you know, Uncle John doesn't understand. He's been raised to believe vampires are monsters and, like, this is how he was brought up. He doesn't realize that you're not all the same. And Anna's like, are you defending him? And I'm like, yeah, Jeremy, are you, are you defending are you, the man Jeremy? who murdered your girlfriend's mom, like, yesterday? Like, what? <laughs> and then he's like, he's like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not trying to defend him. I'm just, I'm just trying to, like, explain. So Anna gives Jeremy uh, a vial of her blood. Mm -hmm. um and tells him that she's going to leave town soon and i'm like girl do it today <laughs> leave now every stop woman waiting too long to leave get out <laughs> screw jeremy like, just go. get out of there i'm like i think i think being ageless has affected these women's perception of time <laughs> because i'm like girl you are dilly dallying leave <laughs> For the first time, I hadn't realized that Jeremy didn't know the mechanics exactly. I guess this also wasn't in Elena's <laughs> Yeah, no. listen, he got the cliff's notes. <laughs> Elena wasn't keeping a comprehensive wiki page of like what she's <laughs> learned about vampires. She was she didn't get the journaling gene from the Gilbert family. She she tells them the mechanics of how turning a human into a vampire works, that you need to ingest vampire blood and then die while it's still in your system, and then you will come back as a vampire. She also tells them that vampires have the ability to shut off their emotions. And she speaks about how previously, when they were still getting to know each other, he spoke about how he felt so alone and isolated. Nobody understood him, and he was always feeling this emptiness inside. And he even mentions when they when they discuss Vicky, he mentions that even though his memories of Vicky have been taken away, he still he was still feeling empty inside. Like he he knew something was missing, even though he couldn't remember the event. So Anna tells him in this moment that as a vampire, you can switch all of that off and you don't have to feel that pain anymore. And I, I, I have to wonder if as such an old vampire, uh, we later on learn of a series that apparently that switch fades with age. I have to wonder if being as old as she is, has Anna's switch faded? Because she is 500 plus. Round, uh, round about the age of Rose, Catherine's sire, who was the one who tells us the switch fades with age. I, it, it always struck me as like she was saying, we're going to do this together. Very Katniss and Peter taking the nightlock berries of like, we'll both be vampires and we'll both shut off our emotions and ignore all our grief and suffering and just like see the world. So it is interesting maybe they hadn't conceived of that caveat at the time of the show most likely i mean this is the other thing too where i'm like it feels once again a little bit manipulative here maybe she was just using that to sell him on the idea of becoming a vampire so that he would be more inclined to take the blood and become like her companion uh. so maybe they never even do it afterwards it's just like that's the thing that gets him over the line of like that's an option for me. Mm. He does seem to be. He's definitely in a better place than he was when he wanted to be a vampire for Vicky's sake. Um, is the thing right? It's like it's it it feels out of place her trying to use that to Salomon because it's like he's kind of doing okay right now. Like the Vicky stuff did knock him when he found out she's she's actually dead. 
But he kind of buoyed back to equilibrium from that, largely because of his connection to you. Mm. So it's it's feels so out of place for you to now be like, remember how depressed and lost you were? <laughs> how about dealing with that in an unhealthy manner? Maybe Anna was like, well, you know, if we're going to do this, obviously you need to be immortal at some stage, so <laughs> might as well turn you now. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't explicitly said he doesn't want to be a vampire anymore, but you do get the feeling that he's not thinking about that at this point. Because he, he tells her that at one point he did really want to shut everything out. And not feel that way but that now he doesn't feel that way anymore and he doesn't think that he can become a vampire believe it or not human connection and the the help and affection of people close to you can save you from dark places <laughs> she's grieving her mom she's tired she's not she's tired really. she's mourning <laughs> we understand before we do anything else anna leaves and meanwhile what's what's brewing in this climactic episode is that the remaining handful of tomb vampires, led by a man named Charlie, are planning to attack the town. He gathers them for a little uh, clandestine meeting and, and says that when the fireworks go off for the celebration, that is when they will move through the crowd and murder all these people. Presumably, they're going to spare everyone who doesn't have a founding family surname. So Bonnie and Matt will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray for the poor and the black. <laughs> We won. We did it. We did it, Joe. <laughs> At this point, John is aware of this plan. I don't remember how John knows this. John had an inside man named Henry. Henry was a oh, yes. vampire that John managed to get his hands on and basically was his pearl. He helped Henry adjust to the new time like taught him all the things about the modern world and like housed him in this place to keep him safe from like the sunlight and like other dangers. I don't know how Damon and Rick find this out. I think they like trace, I think Rick's criminology friend tracks down a phone call that John made to, or that Isabel made. They're trying to find mm. Isabel at this point. They do some kind of phone tracking. They get to a location. They find this Henry guy here. Henry is just a sweet little man he, they're like, we're friends of John. And he's like, oh, great, cool. And he just starts telling them, yeah, John's a great guy. He's been helping me. He's like my ride or die. And then John starts calling him on his phone. And he's like, oh, yeah, this is John right here. And Damon's like, oh, cool. Can I speak to him? Henry's like, yeah, sure. Hands him the phone because why does Henry care about a phone? And then they kill Henry. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, he didn't deserve to die. He, was he didn't just... deserve. He seemed like such a nice guy. All this to say, through Henry, John found out what the Tomb Vampire's plan was. So apparently this has been in the works for a while, which isn't like unreasonable to extrapolate because from the get-go, I mean, they all hate the, the founding families, Frederick and his cronies were already itching to get revenge. So it's like not crazy to be like, this has been a plan in the works for some time. Perhaps that's why the Tomb Vampire's number is suddenly so high again, maybe some of the ones who left town were in on this. So during this meeting that Charlie is having, Charlie the Tomb Vampire, Anna is suddenly there and seemingly in cahoots with them, getting ready to kill the founding families. And I guess we're supposed to believe she would want to do this because John murdered her mother in cold blood. The next time we see her, she's 
talking to Damon and t- telling him what's going on, what the plan is, and that the tomb vampires are planning to attack all these people and that she's not with them. She was just pretending to be. Damon goes and tells Alaric to get his vampire hunting equipment so that they can stop the tomb vampires. And he, he gathers Stefan and tells him what's going down and Anna goes off to find Jeremy. And I guess, I guess in that moment she's still on her way out, but... She tells Jeremy she just needed to see him, and I'm like, once again, the <laughs> the, the true curse of like dallying one more time, and that being the time that ruins you. Like you didn't need to say goodbye to him again. Just go. You gave him your blood. He can make the choice now. Like you have his number. You can phone him. You've been texting, so I know you, you have could his number. call him and say, "Listen, man, I'm on my way out. Are you in or are you out? No, deuces." Young love. Mayor Lockwood, who, as you said, he, he had two personality traits. What did you say? Being, being violent and, and being incompetent. Yeah. Angry and incompetent. In a, in a true show of incompetence, he is part of John Gilbert's plan to essentially use their family members as bait because they are well aware that the tomb vampires are coming to kill all of them, at which point they will activate the John Gilbert device that emits a high frequency that only vampires can hear and that will cause them such intense discomfort that they will be incapacitated long enough to be injected with vervain and then taken to the old Grayson Gilbert building that Pearl had wanted to purchase, (laughs) the old apothecary, and burned alive in the way that they should have been in 1864 in the tomb, had it not been for Emily's machinations. Liz Forbes is against this plan. She's against them using their kids as bait. Only sane person in the room being like, these are our families. We can't use them as bait. It seems it seems like Richard Lockwood, Mayor Lockwood, is going to respect her decision or at least not do it without her say-so. But John tricks him into leaving and he knocks Liz out and handcuffs her and that's that. Hits her in the back of her head like a coward. Can't face her head on because he knows she'd drop him. Mayor Lockwood who's aware what's going down, he tells Tyler to leave with Matt and Caroline. The fireworks start. Mayor Lockwood, like, grabs his wife's hand and quickly hurries off with her. And I'm like, way to make sure that everyone you care about is safely out of the way while you use the extras as bait. Real excellent work, Mayor Lockwood. John Gilbert tells us that the device is only supposed to work in about a five-block radius. By that point, Tyler has already driven out of range, and yet the device affects him. Granted, all the assumptions they made are on John Gilbert's notes, and we know that Emily is the one who actually made the devices work. So, like, maybe Emily was like, you stupid man, this thing could work and cover a whole town. I'm not playing around. All those vampires need to go. Emily's maths was better than John's. (laughs) Hidden figures, Mystic Falls edition. (laughs) I take Jonathan Gilbert, the elder's notes, with a grain of salt. Because at the end of the day, he didn't make that shit work. That's fair. I just interpreted it as as a werewolf, untriggered or not, maybe having better hearing than a vampire. John and the other the deputies working under Sheriff Forbes, who I guess don't know that she's not a part of this, they begin to inject all the vampires who are being taken down by the device's sound. They inject Mayor Lockwood because they see him go down. At that point, as all these vampires are being taken down, including Damon, Anna is talking with Jeremy dallying as usual (laughs) the device affects her she begins to scream in pain and jeremy is at a loss for words he doesn't know what's going on he asks her what 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 the matter is how he can help and she just screams that her head is 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 hurting and then unfortunately two of the deputies come in 
a few minutes later and see her in pain. They ask no questions. They just grab her. One of them grabs her. Two of them hold Jeremy back. They inject her with Vervain and they drag her off while Jeremy feebly tries to protest. Like he he shouts and I'm like, Stephen, I'm a queen. You're a big guy. You could have put up more. You could have taken one of them. Like, give it a shot. <laughs> this is your girlfriend. This is your true love. Well, I don't know if they ever define the relationship. But <laughs> but yeah, he, he, he screams at them. You can't take her, but they take her anyway. And they drag her into the basement where, by this time, because the device was not meant to uh, work that long, and it was only meant to work once, by this time, uh, John Gilbert tells the deputies that the device is done, and now the vervain is the only thing keeping the vampires down. At that point, John has already doused everyone in gasoline, I assume, and he is getting ready to burn all of them alive. But Anna starts coming too. As John is on his way out, Anna grabs his ankle. I assume she was trying to get his attention to maybe plead with him. On the one hand, I'm like, you should have just let him go. I don't think he was going to notice you. But on the other hand, given how weak Damon was and where the fire started from in the room, Damon was lucky that he was the furthest from it. She was probably going to catch on fire anyway before Stefan and Elena got there to save Damon. She grabs John's ankle. John looks down at her and says, hello, Anna, and pulls out a stake. He crouches down and her last words are, please... No, and then he stakes her in the chest and she dies. And that is the end of Anna in her, all her season one scheming glory. This scene just infuriates me for multiple reasons. The first being just how casually and how carelessly John kills her. It's just like, I'm just here. Oh, Anna grabs a stake, stabs her, moves on. That feels mood rage, but we've already established we hate John Gilbert. The second thing is that Anna's death is not an Anna scene, it's a Damon scene. Mm. The scene is viewed from the perspective of Damon. It's not from Anna waking up, it's Damon waking up, looking over as John pours gasoline over everybody and is preparing to burn them all. And then Anna being staked. We Throughout the whole action of Anna reaching for John, John turning and recognizing her, John grabbing a stake to kill her, we keep cutting back to get Damon's reaction to the whole situation because we're in a, a period of the season where we're trying to, I think you said it when I mentioned this to you, you said we're focused on, on, on displaying that Damon has grown some sense of a conscience, yeah, which is even more annoying because Damon didn't like Anna all that much. Damon didn't like Pearl all that much. They had reached a begrudging compromise as people who lived were going to be coexisting in mystic falls they made a lot of differences after the actions of the tomb vampires to sort of keep the peace between them but like anna isn't like a, a friend or even a compatriot of damon for him to be like oh no a friend i could have saved like why would damon have given a damn it, it just frustrates me that like that's what we're focusing on when this very pivotal character is being killed off and it doesn't even get to be her scene i mean later on he he speaks to jeremy once all the dust is settled and we're in the the denouement of the episode goes into jeremy's room and he tells him uh, anna's dead and jeremy is just like dejectedly just replies yeah i kind of figured that when they took her and damon tells him that um i wanted to save her but i couldn't so i i guess i guess it's to show that maybe the pity that he had for anna was because he knew that she mattered 
to someone, someone who didn't even matter all that much to him. I mean, he doesn't care about Jeremy. So, <laughs> but yeah, R.I.P. Anna. R.I.P. She was around for so long. I think if I had, because obviously I, I mentioned that I started the series like near the latter half of season two. So she was long dead by then. But I feel like if I'd watched the series in order, I really would not have been expecting Anna to die. I would have thought this girl is being primed to be a, a main character or at least to be Jeremy's love interest going forward. And, you know, the, the consolation now that we, we're, we're moved past all the Vicky stuff, Jeremy's future is bright. We can have this new romance. She's lost her mother. He's lost his parents. They, they have a rapport. She did want to leave town. So, I mean, maybe I would have thought, okay, maybe she'll pop in from time to time. But I, I feel like I, I, I wouldn't have been expecting her to die. Like the way it's framed. It's just, it's so sudden. It comes out of nowhere. It's not like John had this long-standing grudge with her. Like he never, he barely even mentions Anna outside of her dating Jeremy. It's mostly Pearl who he focuses on. She's an afterthought. And it's just, it's, it's weird that John is able to do something that heinous. But then by the end of the episode, he's reached sort of a ceasefire with Elena. Um, and I know Anna didn't matter that much to Elena, but I'm like, Elena is our our protagonist. I don't like how John is now <laughs> presented to us as, oh, you know, he's not so bad because he allowed Elena to go and save Damon. So 11 episodes. Yeah, it, 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 fully she's there for like a whole, a whole half, for half the season. Yeah, she was really, really, really integral to the plot. Jeremy has important girlfriends, I've noticed. <laughs> Speaking of Jeremy's girlfriends, that's the last we see of Anna until the end of season two, where he starts getting haunted by Vicky and Anna. And then into the beginning of, of season three, where she she struggles to manifest her ghostly form. For the first couple of episodes, he just he sees flashes of her, but um there there isn't much that she does until eventually she's able to tell him not to trust Vicky, which we know is because Vicky is in cahoots with the original witch and trying to become more corporeal. And even when they stop Vicky from doing that, and Bonnie casts the spell with Matt's help to send her away, it seems that Anna herself is slowly solidifying. I'm not entirely sure if the scene in which she and Jeremy sort of their hands meet, it, can they touch at that point? Or is he just, is he trying to just fake it? I don't think initially. Obviously, the way we're, we've understood the way ghosts work, just baseline, is that they're on the other side and they can kind of try and push through to the material plane, but it requires someone on the material plane to pull as well to make that connection. And Jeremy having died, which is what gives him the sort of medium-esque ability, when he's thinking of Vicky or thinking of Anna and they're also trying to reach through to him, that's when the connection is made and he can see them and he can speak to them. I think that scene, you're talking about the scene where they're sitting on his bed and she reaches to grab him and then she kind of resignedly says, yeah. you can't even feel me. And then he lifts his hand to like hold hands. I think he's just trying his best to like comfort her in that situation or to like try and connect with her in that moment. But I don't think he can feel her at that point because I think it's only when, I think in Ghost World, the seventh episode, when the door, quote-unquote, has been noticeably opened, as Grams describes it when she comes back. Because we know that Bonnie's resurrection of Jeremy after he dies, which is the reason he can see... Go back to the Vicky episode if you want to <laughs> um, revisit that chapter of things. But 
because Bonnie brought him back to life, she sort of left a door open between this world and the other side. And because of the, the actions of Esther, it's been, I, I kind of imagine it to be like, Bonnie left a crack and Esther has been using a wedge to kind of drive yes. it further and further open. And then in Ghost World, that's when people start slipping through. And at that point is when they note, I can feel you, I can touch you. So in that same episode, yeah. um, when Bonnie is looking through her grimoires to determine what exactly is going on with Elena's necklace, I assume Esther pushing through from the other side causes all of her books to burst into <laughs> flames. They're like, maybe we can find a spell in here that tells us about enchanted jewelry. And Esther is like, you will not <laughs> find a spell where in the ashes. In that same scene, uh, Anna tells Jeremy that she can sense this darkness, the darkness that she previously warned him was connected to Vicky, that she can sense it there. And I think Bonnie has Elena's necklace in the room with her at that point. So it's the first hint we get that this necklace is some sort of a link to someone on the other side who is using it as a conduit to enact her will in the physical world. Also, that scene is initially anna appears and jeremy feels guilty for her being there he hasn't yet told bonnie what's he going doesn't on. feel guilty enough though does he like he says he feels guilty but does he, he feels do guilty anything because about he knows that? that anna manifesting means he's thinking about her because of the push and pull relationship that you mentioned and he does then tell bonnie after they've put out the flames <laughs> he tells bonnie that uh i haven't been completely honest with you when you brought me back from the dead, something happened. And then he lets her know that he's been seeing Anna and Vicky. I guess more so Anna. While Anna, he, he shuts her out. He, he pushes her out of his mind so that while she is still there from her side, he can no longer see or hear her. And she's in the background, tearfully crying that she's all alone. It is really heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah it's, it's heartbreaking that she's the, the one person who she can speak to. Is, is the person who shouldn't be speaking to her. Yeah, it's... Ooh, that's that's something I want to... Because I didn't realize... Probably because in latter seasons, everybody on the other side is just kind of all congregated. Yes. But I didn't realize that when you die and go to the other side, which... Oh, another tangent, by the way. And I, I didn't know this. I think Anna creates the term the other side. She does. Because yes. when she says the other side to Jeremy, Jeremy says, the other side, is that what it's called? She says, that's what I call it anyways. And the characters in the show only start calling it the other side after this moment. Yes. So I think Anna creates the term. She does. I mean, then all the other characters who haven't met the Mystic Falls gang just start calling that, it that in the future. Like, they, they all agreed on it. <laughs> yeah, silence. That throws a, a but... wrench in the works a bit, but... <laughs> but yes, and a uh, bit of trivia, Anna's also the first person to use the word doppelganger to describe Elena back in season one. Oh, when she first meets her, she, says, she says, you're you really Catherine's, are Catherine's doppelganger. doppelganger. Yeah. Look at you, Anna, <laughs> making your mark on the world. But yes, um, I didn't realize that when you die and go to the other side, it's just you. I assumed that like people could link up on that side. It was just like really vast. So as you move around, you might miss people sometimes, but it it seems to be like everybody's isolated. Maybe when you're new, because yeah, both Anna and Vicky speak about being alone, but it's clear when 
Bonnie's grandmother appears in the next episode that she's been talking to other witches on the other side. Maybe it's a, it's a unique to witches thing where it's like, because they, they always said, even from the beginning of the show, witches talk. Like, the witch spirits somehow always stay in communion. It's not unique to witches because later on, Rose is able to go and get information from other people on the other side, I assume, when, uh... when Damon and co. are looking for who Klaus sired, who then sired her, and then she sired Catherine and started their bloodline. So maybe Anna was just a noob. <laughs> <laughs> Both Anna. Well, yeah, it's just Anna because Vicky clearly seemed to found Esther. Well, I guess maybe Esther found her. Esther found her. <laughs> Someone always finds Vicky. We discussed oh, this Vicky. in the Vicky episode. <laughs> in the in the next episode, the reckoning, we see Anna again when Catherine and Damon have kidnapped Jeremy to try and communicate with. Anna, because they know he's a medium at this point, because they want information on who the heck it was who Niklaus and Rebecca were running from in the 1920s. And so it's Anna who first name drops Michael, the vampire who hunts other vampires. And she warns them that you do not want to awaken him. He will kill all of you. A warning which, needless to say, they don't heed. But no, never. She, she, she tried. <laughs> she tri- Listen, she's always trying her best. And everyone around her is an idiot. So she <laughs> that's the limit to her abilities right now. I wonder if when Anna was on the other side, was she stuck in Mystic Falls or could she like wander the earth? I mean, she's all alone, like in terms of other dead people. She can only see the living and she can't interact with them. Yeah. Could you be in Paris all alone? Annabelle in Paris. <laughs> Emily Bennett in Paris. The new Netflix special. Um, I think Vicky says something to Matt about if you do the spell, I won't just go where you go. I can be able to go wherever. Ah. So maybe it's that they're drawn. Because the whole thing is unfinished business, right? Like most purgatories. Yeah. Maybe it's that they cluster around the people they were tied to in life. Which that is why sucks they're always for Anna because that's... That's basically just Jeremy. Everyone else she loved is dead. She spends basically all of season two on the other side, alone from her point of view, just following Jeremy around, who cannot see or hear or touch her. Watching him fall in love with another girl, watching him move on with his <gasps> life. Oh, yeah. And trapped in the town that she was trying to leave right before she died. As always, God. The worst purgatory. <laughs> I honestly, like I said with Vicky last time and frankly anna doesn't do anything quite so heinous as vicky does from the other side i cannot blame them for their actions because it sounds like hell on the other side and i can't like fathom the idea of being just on the edge and not being able to speak to anybody and then that's just your life forever it sounds awful in in smells like teen spirit a great nirvana (laughs) yes bonnie discovers that Jeremy has still been talking to Anna, going to her to ask about what's going on with the ghostly stuff that Vicky is up to. And she is rightfully and understandably angry. But I think I think this is the episode in which I think they start to physically manifest more solidly, or at least Anna does. Jeremy's attachment to her is making her corporeal because it's only in the next episode when all the other ghosts start showing up, like... Uncle Mason, Lockwood, and like Lexi, and the tomb vampires, etc. But all these ghosts who manifest at the beginning of the episode, the next episode, Ghost World, they are still invisible. They seem to be able to physically interact with people, showing that the division between the other side and the world of the living is definitely blurring, but they're still invisible. Until Bonnie does a spell to 
expose what's going on with the ghosts. Uh, she calls it a spell to reveal veiled matter. And that's when everyone becomes fully like manifested in the world of the living. And Elena is able to see Anna for the first time. She walks in on Anna, kissing Jeremy. <laughs> well, he kissed her. <laughs> he kissed her, let's be clear. Once he realizes that she is fully corporeal, I suppose he, 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 still, he still loves her, as Bonnie feared. Later on, after that scene where Elena asks, is Anna here right now? And Anna's like, don't, don't tell her I'm here. Jeremy asks, because Jeremy is, <sighs> sometimes his IQ points drop. So he asks Anna, why did you tell me to lie to Elena? And Anna's like, um, she's best friends with your girlfriend. Like, <laughs> I don't think that she'd be happy that you're talking to me and thinking about me all the time. It truly can't be stressed how... I mean, the only word that comes to mind is disrespectful. It's the disrespect of, like, repeatedly now we've had this conflict between Jeremy and Bonnie of, like, you're speaking to your ex-girlfriend and you're doing it behind my back and it's like you promise not to do it anymore and then you do it again and now you're making out with her and you still love her. It's like... I brought you back from the dead. Like, how can... I don't know how you could ever measure up to what she gave to you. And this is how you repay her. I don't... Like, I don't want to make the implication that because Bonnie resurrected him, he now owes her. But, like, you're in a relationship. The least you owe her is respect. The least you owe her is common decency to be like here's my situation okay and i don't know what i feel right now so maybe we should hit pause while i figure out all my feelings that's like the bare minimum of what you could do he's 16 oh at the end of the day like i i i I put so much weight on these characters actions because i'm watching a bunch of people in their late 20s act these things out and then i have to ratchet it back and go they're playing children so <laughs> yes just <laughs> maybe i shouldn't be so hard on them <laughs> they are playing kids in this episode anna anna's scheming ways slowly slowly start to to manifest as well the ghosts aren't the only things manifesting because she overhears that it is it is elena's necklace that is the conduit for this original witchy business that is causing the ghosts to push through. So she steals Elena's necklace. We don't know that for a fact at first in the in the order of events of the episode. I believed her, I'll be honest. Yeah, you I also believed her. I believed her because <laughs> because Caroline She seems so earnest. <laughs> Caroline phones Jeremy and tells him that they can't find the necklace. It's not where it should be. He says, well, where do you think it is? And Caroline's like, well, we know. We, we, who do you think took it, Jeremy? I have my suspicions, <laughs> but I want to hear your theory. And then Jeremy looks at Anna and Anna's like, I didn't take it. And he relays that to Caroline over the phone. He says, Anna says she didn't take it. And then Caroline asks, and you believe her? And then he looks back at Annabelle and Annabelle is once again like, I didn't take it, Jeremy. It's only later on when Elena has a conversation with Jeremy that is... The purpose it serves in the episode is so that she can see that it's a mirror for her own situation with Stefan, who has really gone off the deep end and she's been struggling to get him back all summer. And now school has started, his emotions are off and she's, she's fighting for him and he just... He, he, he's, he's not even trying to come back at that point. His emotions are off. I know. We're not getting into Stefan stuff. 
as as Elena speaks to Jeremy, she realizes that uh, she should take her own advice. Jeremy tells her that he doesn't want to send the ghosts away because Anna is here and she's visible and corporeal and. He does, well, firstly, he still doesn't believe that she had the necklace. And Elena's not even having it. She's just like, she was the only person who heard us talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I love how intense Elena's being about it. She's just like, I don't want her anywhere near you. I love it so much. Oh, familial bonds. <laughs> but Jeremy tells her that um, he loves Anna. He knows He knows it's wrong and he knows he shouldn't feel this way, but he does. Then Elena tells him that it's it's what what he's experiencing isn't real because his relationship with Anna was over. She died. It was tragic and it was sudden and it was unfair. But he, she died and he can't love this memory of what he once had forever. And it's a mirror for her still being in love with the Stefan that she knew in season two, who is at this point long gone. But she she asks Jeremy, "Are you really gonna love a ghost for the rest of your life?" Anna appears in the background. And Elena sees her and says, you're holding him back. He's got his whole life ahead of him. And then Anna reveals that she she does indeed have the necklace. I was Anna shocked. Girl. I was like, whoa. I thought, I was like, Anna? You would Anna. think we never watched this show in our lives before. I fully was like, really? Well, I hadn't Damn, seen season girl. one the first time I watched this. So I didn't know. Oh, I'm saying <laughs> I was shocked this time when I watched the episode this week. Oh. I completely was like, Anna? <laughs> Sorry, I thought we were on the same page. I was stunned this week. No, I was I was stunned in like 2012 or whatever when I was watching this the first time. But again, like the thing of I can't blame her because what she says after that just like breaks my heart. Yes, Elena leaves to go get Bonnie to do the spell and... Anna apologizes to Jeremy and explains that the only reason she took the necklace is because she assumed that whatever mystical nonsense was causing the ghosts to manifest would mean that the two vampires could appear, that her mother would manifest as well. Since she's been on the other side all by herself, she doesn't know where her mother is. And earlier in the episode, she tells Jeremy, she's the first person to tell Jeremy this, and I, I had forgotten this, that she mentions that not every supernatural creature does go straight to the other side. Some people move on and find peace. Right! Um, I thought that the first time that's mentioned is when Esther tells Elena that Jenna isn't on the other side. Jenna having died as a vampire. That means it's not just the fact that Jenna was a new vampire or the fact that Jenna didn't... She did technically feed. Well, all Esther said was like, that her soul remained pure, and that was why she'd found peace. I, I, I don't... That's very vague. I don't know what that means. Yeah, what, Esther, what does that mean? Is it morality? What I, is that? I don't know. I can't I also, imagine she didn't have unfinished business. Her, her two niece... Her niece and nephew were going to be left alone on this earth. I doubt And she, she was, was in a relationship that. with Alaric. With Rick! <laughs> And also, I, I don't know. I don't know how Anna would know that some people find peace and don't go to the other side when she told us she was there alone. I'm like, she who was told alone. you this? How do you know? Every this? day, the mystery of the other side and supernatural death grows even more tangled. But yeah, she she tells Jeremy that she doesn't know if her where her mother is, if she's found peace. And finally, at the end of the episode, when Bonnie has finished doing the spell that sends all the ghosts fully away, Mason and Lexi and the tomb vampires who are about to kill Carol Lockwood until Caroline saves her. The last that we see of Anna is her wandering the streets of Mystic Falls all by her lonesome. And then in the distance, she sees Pearl. Pearl who 
I gotta say, also not wearing the clothes she died in, but it's fine. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. If Vicky can do it, why not? Why not her? They walk towards each other and are even running the last few steps and they tearfully embrace and then they disappear, assumedly having found peace because they found each other. I think so. I think so. Because, again, like, as a mirror to the episode where her mother said, you're free to choose. She was going to choose her mother at the end. She was going to leave with her mother. Yes. And I think that finding her mother in death was enough to be like, I can let Jeremy go. My mother is who I've always, like, I've spent my entire life with her. I spent so long trying to bring her back. This is the peace that I sought. So it makes it's it makes the most sense to me, and it oh, I cried at that too. I cried, I cried, when, I cried when she found Pearl's dead body, and I cried when they were reunited on the other side. I just I really loved them. And great. yeah, I'm pretty. They, they definitely found peace because we never ever see either of them again. <laughs> the, yeah. the, the numerous the numerous trips we take to the other side, we continue to see Vicky there until the other side collapses. Not a single chew to be found. <laughs> I hope that I hope that wherever they ended up, Barbara was with them. Just like, hi guys, remember me? Hey guys, we were kind of real chill for a long while, but nobody's really checked in on me. I can't imagine he he got stuck on the other side. I he seemed like a really sweet dude. I don't think he had any living people on like on the material plane that he would want to stick around for i like to think he found peace absolutely john staked him and he immediately woke up in heaven he was like it's fine i didn't care about that town anyway (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that's that's the end of anna's story in the vampire diaries the the ripple effects of her presence are felt certainly for the rest of season three jeremy and bonnie break up because of her her shenanigans rightfully so (laughs) rightfully so i don't think you can get past that i find it laughable that jeremy actually tries and i like what bonnie says at the end of that episode of like if you like if you care about me at all show me the respect of like not even trying to tell me what happened like don't even give me the details just leave because I just, at this point, she's just had this emotional moment with her grandmother who's come back from beyond the veil, who is like this person she can't get back, and yet she's resurrected Jeremy, and here he is, kicking dirt on her name. Like, he was young, he made a lot of mistakes, I just wanted so much better he for acted, Bonnie. He, he acted, he, he acted selfishly, apart. but who among them in Mystic Falls? Bonnie, I think. Maybe Bonnie. Maybe maybe Bonnie's <laughs> yeah, the only person. Like, I can't think of a single moment where Bonnie went, my needs overall. Even when she was in her like expression era, it was like, yeah, I'll use my expression to help you guys still. <laughs> Even in her darkest time, she was like, fine, I'll help y'all. <laughs> so it's like, truly Bonnie. Watching uh, the episodes for Anna's story, truly allowed me to fall in love with her character all over again. Very, very interesting and very, very well played by Melissa. Jones oh, yeah. Well. Wonderfully. Wonderfully. Um, I liked how, um, I liked how even though she, she looks and feels young, how in control of a situation she can be. I think that always came through. I, as I've said already, I love how she was just always like sneaking everywhere. She's always gathering information. She's always looking around corners. Funnily enough, very similar to Jeremy, who I think last episode I called the king of overheard information. Jeremy's always like 
somewhere nearby <laughs> overhearing some important piece of information that first season. So that's a nice connection there. I love the Anna Pearl relationship. I just that's Chef's kiss. And yeah, I'm 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 glad that even though it would have been nice to see them in later seasons, I'm glad that it was untouched beyond that point of them reuniting in a really like happy conclusion. I'm glad they didn't yeah. like troll them back for some half-hearted storyline. It's it's ended perfectly. <laughs> they got out while the going was good. And I think that's more than you can Finally. Ask. They finally got out while the going was good. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were learned, like, they fool me once. Shame, shame on, on you. you. Fool me fool five me times. <laughs> I, I like the parallel between Anna working so hard to get her mother out of the tomb. And Damon working so hard to get Captain out of it too. In that, in Anna's case, it's a much more healthy relationship. This is her mother, the woman who made her in the literal sense. Whereas Catherine is the vampire that made Damon into a vampire. Catherine was a liar and manipulative and selfish and claimed she never loved Damon. Whereas Pearl would do anything for her daughter. And then, lo and behold, Pearl is the one who's actually in there. <laughs> Waiting for Anna, whereas Catherine is nowhere to be found. <laughs> <laughs> Just some, some, some last little tidbits about Anna. I was unable to find any, anything conclusive on where exactly her and Pearl's story starts. Some sources say that Catherine turned them pretty near to the time when Catherine herself was turned. Others say that they're actually older than her. Like by a few years, I, I I couldn't find anything in in the the Stefan's diaries uh, tie in prequel sort of novels, which definitely aren't canon. But in the in the novels, it says that Pearl had a husband and several children who were like sick and dying, and Catherine Catherine turned her, and she was able to turn Anna in time, but not the rest of them. So that's that's the backstory that exists in those books. Interesting. But in the show, in the show, we, we never know. We never know where exactly they come from. No, it's lovely, lovely. Um, Melise, uh, some other stuff that she's done since, uh, she... Oh, she was in the troupe. There's this Cartoon Network, I think... It's either Cartoon Network or Nickelodeon show called The Troupe, where Gage Golightly was a main character. Gage Golightly, who plays Erica in Teen Wolf. Yes. Um... But apparently Melise was uh, a main character in the second season. She's was also in the Shannara Chronicles, which is this little show from 2016-2017 that was based on like high fantasy books from the 70s. I watched like a couple episodes of the first season. It was pretty cool. I was mainly there for Manu Bennett, who I liked at the time because he played Slate Wilson in Arrow. But that show also had... Um, now Hollywood heartthrob, I guess, Austin Butler, when he was still doing his TV circuits. Um, <laughs> but more relevantly, um, uh, to something you would know, she voices Duplicate in Invincible. Yes! How did I forget to mention that? Yes, she voices Duplicate. I did not know that at all. That's pretty cool. She, it doesn't sound like her, which is why I'm like, whoa, okay. She really, like, gets that voice quite differently from her like natural voice shine melise i i hope i hope to find her in something mainstream again playing a character that doesn't get killed off unceremoniously <laughs> <laughs> she was a delight as anna and i i do wish that she'd stuck around 
a bit more. But then, but then considering what happens to some of the characters uh, in the in the writing room as the show goes on, maybe <laughs> like maybe it's got good. out while the going was good. Like yeah. you said. We, she would have been sacrificed for Klaus's spell instead, and Jenna would have stuck around. It would have been a whole thing. It's, it's. I think that's the best case scenario. And that is, that is it for Anna, our five hundred year old teenage vampire. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions or thoughts, you can mail us at animalattackpod at gmail or you can tweet us at. At AnimAttackPod, that's at A-N-I-M AttackPod, and you'll find our link tree in the bio, which has all of our online stuff. Stick to our Twitter and see if we announce who we're doing next. Whoever it is, though, it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Thank you for joining us, and cheers, everyone. Cheers.